You're listening to the Airline Pilot Guy Show. The view from our side of the cockpit door. WAPG. It's the Airline Pilot Guy. Airline Pilot Guy episode 568. You're listening to the Airline Pilot Guy Show, the view from our side of the cockpit door, with your host, Captain Jeff, broadcasting live from Studio 2L at the Hotel Vermont in Burlington. Today's show is recorded on the 5th of May, 2023. In today's episode, a doctor who had a life-threatening allergic attack during a flight urges airlines to stock EpiPens. The Army grounds its air fleet after two fatal helicopter crashes. More news and your feedback. So get all settled in. Tray tables and seat backs in the upright and locked positions. Electronic devices powered on. I'm Radio Roger and Flight 568 is ready for pushback. All right. Thank you, Radio Roger Stern. He is an award-winning TV and radio reporter, currently at the number one all-news station in the nation. 1010 wins on 92.3 FM in New York City. Uh-huh. Welcome to the Airline Pilot Guy Show. It's an aviation podcast. Oh, you knew that. Uh, covering the latest in aviation news and answering your great feedback. I'm Captain Jeff, a pilot at a major legacy airline based in the United States of America. And... Joining me today is well, our producer from her studio in Toronto, Ontario, retired financier and aviation enthusiast, spreadsheet master, and our producer director, it's Liz Piper. Happy Friday, everybody. Hello. Happy Friday. Yeah, the reason why we don't have any more co-hosts here is because we're really, really striving to start this uh, live recording on time. And All that uh, chirping from PTUK. I know. I mean, they're giving me such a bad, giving us such a bad time about not being able to start on time. And we're going to prove them wrong. Probably this only mm-hmm. time, the only one time. <laughs> but anyway, it looks like uh, we're ready to perhaps uh, have our co host, Captain Nick, uh, joining us from. Hopefully, he's turning his recorder on. <laughs> Turn your recorder on. Uh, joining us from his studio. In Hartford, Hereford, and Hampshire. A professional photographer, former RAF, RAAF fighter pilot, retired Airbus A330, A340 captain for Virgin Atlantic Airways. It's Captain Nick. Yeah, hi. Uh, uh, is this a rehearsal? <laughs> nope. This is the real thing. <laughs> this is the show. This I've is just the real come deal. back having gathered a beer, dear listeners. So I'm a bit behind the drag curve. I do apologize. Is your recorder hi. on, Nick, may I ask? It's on, sir. Thank you <laughs> okay. very much. Hi, Steph. And also joining us. Hi, Steph. <laughs> from her lakeside studio in South Cackle. Oops, South. Cackle-a-key. Uh, Dr. Skydiver, marathon runner, strength training junkie, IPA. I've only had like half a beer. Uh, mm, IPA connoisseur, commercial multi-engine instrument, rated backstabbing jumper dumper. It's Dr. Steph. It's going to be one of those shows, isn't it? (laughs) It's going to be. 
so glad to be here. And um, I'll explain in a minute. I was planning to be here the whole time, and <laughs> I've screwed up my schedule yet again. What? So, glad I could join <laughs> for a little bit. <laughs> That's crazy. That never happens. <laughs> no, Have never. A good show, not to me. you guys. We'll see you in a bit. Oh, uh, thanks, Liz. All right, let's uh, let's do some news. Beer spillage. Oh, no. <laughs> Stand by for news. Another beer catastrophe. <laughs> <laughs> that never happens right. on this no, show. No, that never happens. <laughs> <laughs> I've got Mrs. Anderson here mopping up. <laughs> oh, Mrs. Anderson. <laughs> Hand <laughs> and arm. <laughs> See, this is Quite why we never that, start on time. That's, it, that's right. This that's is, the problem with the, the problem with starting on time. <laughs> Do my best, <laughs> oh, but this right, is uh, well. I guess we're I should open my beer and well, at least go ahead and open you know, We can all be yeah, part of the party on. here. Who's yeah. going to wipe up after Steph? <laughs> <laughs> I I don't know. I don't know who's going to clean up after Doctor Steph spills her beer all over the place. But uh, I'm going to try very hard not to spill my beer. <laughs> okay. It's a voice. <sighs> it's a tragedy. Okay. I just had a gusher. No, well, <laughs> kind of personal information. Something different in um, my usual line of work, so we'll just move on from that. Cheers, everybody. Cheers. Cheers. Um, so uh, the uh, control room is asking uh, approximately how much time do you think you're going to have with us, uh, Steph? Like um, from minutes? now, about 30 minutes. Oh, oh okay. wow. That's more than so, I thought. So let's do okay. the two news items okay. for Steph and get her getting to know us. And okay, then we can. okay. Will do. So okay. 1B. One B. One uh, we're going to start with uh, item 1B. Uh, this is a final report on apparently Alaska is upset. That's the uh, headline oh. for our story I didn't here. Know. It says, it uh, oh, wait a minute. Oh, it was an upset, mainland? an aircraft upset. Oh. I'm sorry. I misunderstood. Um, this happened on the 16th of August, 2021. And. Uh, Let's see. It was a, what kind of airplane was this? Cessna 208. It's a caravan. Caravan. Yeah. You, you're you uh, kind of familiar with this airplane. Mm. Um, part 135, air taxi and commuter scheduled. Okay. Anyway, after analysis, the pilot climbed the air, after, excuse me, <laughs> after departure, the pilot, it's like I've had, this is like my first beer, and I'm, I'm feeling the effects of alcohol for the first time in my life. You need more beer. <laughs> I need more beer. <laughs> Congratulations. I wish I could be there again. <laughs> okay. After departure, the pilot climbed the airplane with the autopilot engaged to her assigned altitude of 10,000 feet mean sea level, where she encountered instrument meteorological conditions and light rime icing conditions. To exit the icing conditions, she climbed the airplane to 10,500 feet MSL. However, she was unable to exit the icing conditions and began a gradual descent back to 10,000 feet. She noted that while en route, the airplane's de-icing boots and heated propeller were operating normally by removing ice accumulations. While in a gradual descent from 10,500 to 10,000, the autopilot disengaged without warning, and the airplane entered an abrupt uncommanded right bank followed by a steep nose down spiraling descent the pilot stated that during the upset it felt as if the aileron controls were jammed as she tried to regain control of the airplane after regaining control of the airplane she declared an emergency and made an emergency landing back at the departure airport 
The airplane sustained substantial damage to the wings and the right aileron during the upset. Post-accident examination revealed no evidence of pre-accident mechanical malfunctions or anomalies with the airplane that would have precluded normal operation. Flight control continuity was confirmed from the cockpit to all control surfaces. Additionally, testing of the autopilot and DI systems did not reveal any anomalies. Weather soundings forecast experimental weather products indicated a 30 to 60% chance of light to moderate icing in the agent, uh, the accident region with supercooled liquid water in the clouds from 7,000 to 13,000 feet and favorable conditions for supercooled large droplets, SLD. It's likely the airplane encountered SLD conditions that degraded the airplane's performance, which resulted in the upset. Um, yeah, so flying along and everything is, you know, picking up icing, all the propeller uh, de-icing stuff and the wing de-icing boots and all that kind of stuff is working fine. It's getting rid of the ice. She's done a good job of trying to get out of the icing conditions and uh, that didn't work. And then all of a sudden the airplane just starts kind of going out of control. And uh, yeah, what do you think? Steph? There's a little bit more, there's a little bit more to this reading yeah. on. So, um, and this was data that came, I guess, from whatever autopilot system, the caravan, that particular caravan has. Yeah. Ours, I would not trust to actually um, work. We never use our autopilot. So, um, and we also don't fly in icing ever. So uh, some yeah. of this is you know, review <laughs> for me not, a little bit. It doesn't work out very well with skydiving. It doesn't work out very well for skydiving <laughs> if you're in icing conditions. No, it's not not yeah. preferable or applicable. So I never use any of the, uh, uh, you know, anti-icing, de-icing equipment. Um, but apparently uh, flying fairly slow, uh, indicated airspeed was consistently below 130 knots, which actually it's fine, but below 100 knots in the seconds preceding the upset. So a little odd that – because she was in a descent from what I heard. So, you know, if you've degraded the um, performance of the aircraft with icing conditions and you're at 100 knots with flaps up, that's kind of getting slow, oh. um, especially if there's icing conditions. Um, so I, I don't know how much that had to – I'm sure that had something to do with it. I don't know why the airspeed was so low to begin with, though. Yeah. So – and there was, there's uh, apparently with the um, operating procedures for the um, autopilot in icing conditions, you're supposed to disconnect every 10 minutes. Um, oh. And that, for whatever reason, is part of just the procedure and to be able to check for icing every 10 minutes. Hmm. So says. apparently she didn't do that. And maybe icing yeah. was building up and because of your auto flight systems on. This kind of reminds me of that incident of the uh, was an atr 42 or 72 yep that was holding right, outside of chicago no this was this was a few years back and they oh, were okay. in a holding Another pattern one? and uh and the autopilot was engaged and they uh ended up picking up a significant icing and uh mm. basically the autopilot got to the point where it, it so, just had no. no more authority to right. do whatever it was supposed to be doing and it just said okay you have the airplane and the thing just kind of yeah. Went out of control so, a little bit. From the from the POH, this is further down in here. Um, mm -hmm. For minimum speed for flight in icing conditions with flaps up is 130 knots, um, with a maximum weight of 8550 pounds, and then the autopilot should be disconnected once every 10 minutes in icing conditions to check for any out of trim conditions caused by the ice buildup. So apparently, all three of those things were potentially not 
followed or in question. What caused the damage to the including plane? Including the weight of the aircraft. Uh, uh, control rooms asking what caused the damage to the plane. But what damage are you talking about, Liz? Well, didn't it say that there it, was damage to the wing and the strut, yeah, yeah. Oh. the aileron? Yeah, probably it, just from the upset itself. Just from okay. the upset. Okay. The actual stress of the upset. Okay, um, thanks. So, is uh, I, I'm forgive my um, uh, ignorance. Thank you, ignorance. <laughs> Liz uses that word a lot. Words She's are difficult to today. Wow. <laughs> But uh, it's one of does, my favorites. Does the um, you know, and I've you know, I've, I've I've had a good night's sleep. I've only had half a beer. I don't know what's wrong with me. Maybe it's I'm heavy dying. topper though. It's fairly it's fairly strong. Oh, have you heard of this beer? Yes, it's quite famous in Vermont. It's really good. That's where it's I am. Used by to the be way. difficult. I'm in used Vermont. to be difficult to get outside of Vermont. So that it's makes sense. It's really that you really been good able to find it. I have to say, it is quite good. Yes, it's a double yes. IPA. That might be the problem. I know. Yeah, it's only eight percent by uh, by volume. Anyway, well, we're forgiving your ignorance. Yeah. What are we forgiving, forgiving your ignorance, ignorance for? Um, the 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 is, does it have an auto throttle system or is it all no. manually controlled? Well, so I so with the autopilot, I don't know. Mm -hmm. Ours certainly does not. Our autopilot at best will hold a heading. Yeah, and we never use it. So I I don't know, and it's going to be individual to that airplane. So maybe there's she just got distracted. Like, there's and wasn't different paying systems attention that can to the be airspeed and. I you know I I don't know. Um, yeah. So, hmm. uh, beyond what the uh, yeah the stated facts are here, I don't know the whys of yeah. why procedures weren't followed. Well, at least when the aircraft did go uncontrolled for a bit, uh, she was able to get, regain control, and mm -hmm. there were no injuries other than maybe you know psychological um, you know terror terror stains for the rest of their lives. Won't be able to mm -hmm. sleep. That kind of thing. Terror uh, stains. He's <laughs> <laughs> just making things what up. of your body gets stained by that? I'm not sure. <laughs> Maybe I should just let the rest of the crew do this speaking today. Can I just diverge yeah. slightly? Uh, sure. Not exactly off topic, but yeah. um, just mention why uh, super cool droplets yes, are important yep. here. Because the normal kind of icing you frequently pick up uh, is rime icing. So that's um, ice that collects and it's usually um, mixed up with sort of air bubbles and it's white, easy to spot. Uh, it's quite brittle, so it comes away easily when you inflate your uh, de-icing boots and and basically force it off the leading edge of the wings and the, the props. It is it goes uh, nice and easily. Um, the kind of conditions that this uh, poor pilot found herself in um, included supercooled droplets. Now, uh, a, a water droplet will uh, can, in floating around in the air, can remain as a droplet well below the freezing point uh, because there's been nothing that actually... Um, do you need forces the, it to change to state. To a crystal, basically. Yeah. yeah. So like that changes state from, yeah, from liquid to uh, solid ice uh, can occur when it just hits an aeroplane because right. that's the perfect sort of thing to jar it into that condition uh, moving from one to the other. So uh, the trouble with that kind of icing is it 
forms very quickly because uh, all these super cool droplets uh, splatter on the aircraft. Um, the type of ice it forms is clear and uh, it's very thick. Well, not very thick. It's very um, tough. It's it's very hard to remove. Um, and it's also quite difficult to spot because it's clear as opposed to the more or less opaque white rime ice you get. So, um, you know, any icing is bad. It, it changes the shape of the wing and um, causes the wing to stall at a much higher airspeed than you're used to, hence the recommended minimum speed. So as soon as you think you're in icing conditions, there should be a couple of things in, in foremost in your mind. First of all, get out of those icing conditions and do so uh, moderately rapidly you know try and get out of it before you end up with an airplane that's caked with uh, difficult to remove ice but also um, increase your margin uh, to keep you safely away from a stall so up your speed to the recommended speed with ice on your aircraft um, and uh, obviously activate the um, de-icing or anti-icing equipment that you have fitted um, she did some of these things but sadly the probably the most important when it comes to keeping control of the aircraft is to keep a decent margin between yourself and your new stalling speed uh, because of the ice present on your wing. Uh, the other problem with clear ice is that it trails back from the impact point, which is close to the leading edge, could be slightly on the top of the wing or wherever. It, it trails back because it takes some time to solidify into uh, ice and so the sheet of ice can stretch back over the flight controls um, which can be very dangerous uh, because obviously you get ice and flight controls you can no longer easily control the airplane yeah that's a good yeah, thank you for for mentioning all of that because um i wasn't even really thinking about that with the super cool uh, droplets but that's all very true and very relevant too um yeah in, in her defense the that they the, the the investigators, I think, did criticize. Yes, they the, did the lack of a forecast for super yeah cool the forecasters for not including that quite important bit of information because it was August. So we're still talking about Alaska, which is relatively far north, Fairbanks. <laughs> so potential <laughs> for it to be cooler nice than it is anyway, in, than it is in South Carolina in August. You know, <laughs> yeah, just um, a little bit different, but also at ten thousand five hundred feet too. So you know, um, but yeah. So, I mean, all, all good learning points here, too, for, you know, certainly someone like like me, you know, things to keep in mind that you may not consider on a, at least that I don't consider on a regular basis in the type of flying I do. So. Yeah, uh, I, you know, any sort of fair weather uh, pilot who suddenly finds themselves in icing conditions, it can be quite dramatic. I mean, I very rarely encountered it in the military. Uh, my first real encounters were, you know, sort of, holding patterns over Heathrow waiting to land. And all of a sudden you look out and we've got a little probe on the between mm -hmm. the windshields there that um, is one of the places that you can look at to see if ice is forming on your airframe. And suddenly you get severe ice detected, comes up with a warning. You look at this probe and there's, you know, half an inch of ice, of ice. You know, growing rapidly. And you're going, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Get me on the ground. Don't Not like good. it. Don't like it. Hey, don't like this at all. No. no. Exactly. We're going to ignore Neil Lanworm in our live audience, his comment. 
<laughs> a whole wing reheated. I think you'd need not a couple of the, extra engines just to yeah, not the in the turbo, just not in a single engine turbo prop. That's not the comment that I'm talking about. That's not the comment. The comment on your answering is very well. No, the one that's up on the screen, the like that big heated. screen right there. I know, and I'm ignoring. We, we were supposed to ignore that one, so I was ignoring it. But, but he also I'm, asked if you could yes. heat the whole um, wing um, instead of just having boots. I'd just like to mention again that I've only had half of this beer, so I'm not drunk. At 8%. Let's quickly go to... Yeah, we're, we're dying to find out what happens when you have the other half. <laughs> okay, let's move on. Let's go to 1D. And this is from Paddle Your Own Canoe. A physician who suffered a dramatic and terrifying life-threatening allergic reaction aboard a recent Southwest Airlines flight is urging the airline to stock EpiPen auto-injectors on board all of its flights after discovering that the carrier only carries vials of epinephrine in its emergency medical kits. Did I say that right? Epinephrine. Yes. Uh, Lindsay Ewan. A, oh, yeah. Wherever that is. I'll have to do that later. Um, Lindsay Ewan, a resident physician in the Department of Internal Medicine at Brigham and Women's Hospital in Boston, was flying with Southwest from Phoenix to Austin when she suffered a severe allergic reaction without warning. Many people who know they suffer from severe allergy carry their own EpiPens or generic equivalent, but Yulin has never suffered a severe anaphylactic uh, shock. Uh, anaphylactic shock? Before hives. Not anaphylactic. Hmm? Uh, it should be, I would say anaphylactic. So I'm just reading the, what it says here, but I think There's, I've always. They combine heard anaphylaxis and anaphylactic. Okay, anaphylactic shock before hives yeah. suddenly started breaking out on her face and chest during the Southwest flight. Yulin says she was struggling to breathe and could feel her throat tightening, but she managed to flag down a flight attendant and ask for an EpiPen. At this point, Yulin discovered Southwest doesn't carry epinephrine auto-injectors in its medicine kit. Does any airline? Well, I don't think so, Liz. Uh, Since 1986, the Federal Aviation Administration has mandated that airlines carry epinephrine in their emergency medical kits in the form of single-dose ampules but it has to be administered via syringe by a trained medical professional like Dr. Steph. Flight attendants are not trained to a, uh, administer the epinephrine found in an airline medical kit and must rely on a physician or other trained medical professional coming forward during an in-flight medical emergency. In contrast, an EpiPen auto-injector doesn't need any special training and can quickly and safely give a life-saving shot of adrenaline within seconds. Importantly, nearly anyone can use an EpiPen, including flight attendants. EpiPens are, however, very... uh, Yeah, that does sound a little derogatory, doesn't it? Uh, Even even flight attendants. Uh, EpiPens are, however, very expensive. In fact, after a pharmaceutical giant... Milan, Milan bought the Milan, rights think, yeah. to the Epi brand, EpiPen brand. The cost of two of a two pack surged by more than five hundred percent to over six hundred dollars in twenty eighteen. Was this the guy that bought the company? <laughs> yes. And the, yep. Oh, what a jerk! And there was all the issues with the with insulin too. I think yeah, becoming quite right, expensive. Right. Yeah. That's horrible. That should be illegal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In Yulin's case, luckily another medical doctor was on board the flight and offered to help. In a tweet addressed to Southwest, Yulin wrote, I am only alive today because another physician on the plane figured out how to safely give me the form of epi, epinephrine, in your kit, something neither a flight crew or the general public will likely know how to do. 
depending on either a healthcare provider being on the flight or someone on the plane having an EpiPen with them is not a safe or effective emergency preparedness strategy. Southwest Airlines, you have the opportunity to make this right and your passengers' lives depend on it. The other uh, doctor on board Ulan's flight managed to administer enough epinephrine to stabilize her before the plane landed in Austin and she was taken to the hospital. Worryingly, uh, airlines sometimes don't even have to carry ampules of epinephrine because the FAA can issue exemptions when third-party kit providers struggle to get a hold of stock. You'd be surprised at how often we have medication shortages or uh, back orders of supplies of things. Most recently, it's been lidocaine, which I use every day. Hmm. I don't know why there's a shortage of lidocaine. So lidocaine's like Are a, you uh, addicted anesthetic or something? Or something? Yeah, it's a it's a top a local anesthetic. Okay. You can get addicted to that stuff? No. I think it's just oh. a like it just numbs your like Yeah, it's, it's, the it's, dentist it's uses it. Similar to what you well, get you at the dentist. It, you yep. use it for your running. <laughs> she puts oh, all of her legs. For, <laughs> <laughs> Not for me personally. Although, I use it oh, in my job. Okay, oh, so, so I <laughs> just wanted to clear that up. Yeah. Uh, so uh, I was thinking of a I was thinking Lidocaine is kind of like Novocaine, and then I thought of um, Tim Conway uh, in the little little uh, little get that they had on the uh, Carol Burnett show. Um, so yeah. I, I also discovered this on a flight where we were performing um, CPR, and found that all of the medications came in tiny, difficult to use ampules. Um, it wasn't super ideal. So an ampule is the thing that you use to load the it's syringe. A little, it's a little glass vial with the medication. You, a lot of times, either with a glass topper on it that you break off, or with a that's kind of older now, but um, or a like rubber stopper that you would insert the needle through. You have to draw the needle or the medication up through the needle. Frequently, change the needle to a different one to actually administer the medication or give it through an IV. It's not a one-step process. Okay, so uh, presumably that's difficult when you're kneeling on the floor of a it's bouncing airplane on an airplane. A, so what's space. the alternative that would So EpiPens are wonderful, um, you know, and then there's actually a, um, some medications can be given um, with the intraosseous, um, so through the bone, which can be inserted through the lower part of the tibia, but are much easier to actually set up and use in the field as opposed to starting an IV in a small vein. Um, those aren't available either on airplanes. Thank goodness. It's an interesting point because how, just how far do you go uh, with regards the medical equipment you put on board an airplane is an airplane a special case mm. where other places on the surface of the earth um, don't need to have any of this equipment uh, but an airplane does um, the, when you're flying around just particularly if you're in you know mainland United States there's usually a diversion I don't know, every quarter of an hour mm -hmm. that you you could, in theory, land at. So um, this is one of those things that's, um, in my mind, and you're right, it's not everywhere. You're not going to find EpiPens like at every, you know, if you go into Walmart or something and happen to touch the surface of something that suddenly you're very allergic to and have an anaphylactic shock, I doubt they stock EpiPens. Maybe they have some at the pharmacy by chance, but it, you're you're absolutely right. Like what what should be on an airplane? Is it just because you're without as immediate access to care? Um, in this country, if 
an emergency situation is recognized very quickly and 911 is called, you will typically have an advanced provider on the scene, so an EMT or someone with additional training, perhaps even with some of these medications, um, if, if the ambulance happens to get there first, um, within minutes, which is quite a bit faster than making a you know, an emergency landing or diversion in most cases. So I think that's part of the, the gist of it. You know, are there certain things that are easy enough to use that are worthwhile having that are not difficult to carry on board an aircraft, AED, automated external defibrillator, an EpiPen, those two things are 100% life-saving, don't take up much space, don't require a lot of training to use. Understood. But if yeah. you're if you're driving in a taxi um, across, you know, the wilds of America, and there are some fairly remote places sure. where you can go for a long time between yeah. um, any form of uh, township, I guess. Um, yeah, just the taxi for, driver have to have all this equipment. If you're out for a hike by yourself in you know the back country and something terrible happens to you, that's that's terrible luck, but. In a case where you have, you know, 100 other people on board the aircraft with you, someone who might oh, oh, yeah. be able to yeah, be trained I'm, or have... I'm not suggesting yeah. the airlines don't No, carry and it. I'm not saying, you know, is it is it the airline's responsibility to pay for these items? I don't know. Um, that's another conversation, but, yeah. uh, you know, it's if there's... also, because if they had carried an, uh, an EpiPen with this drug, um, would they be still... Uh, going along with the FAA's uh, mandate. They mandated that you carry uh, the kit uh, with a single-dose ampule. So the epinephrine can be used to... during a cardiac arrest, which is why it's in there. All right. Okay. All right. We, we understood. Um, but and if the FAA hasn't mandate, mandated it and you decide to carry something different, are you now going against the FAA's mandate? What, all I'm suggesting here is being, I'm being the devil's advocate. Yeah, I understand. Um, is that, uh, you know, you could do what you think is right and fall foul of uh, the FAA's uh, edicts uh, without... Um, uh, and, you know, you think you're doing the right thing. And, and we're just covering one aspect. Think of all the other ailments you might suddenly suffer from, sure. that there may be nothing on the aircraft at there's, all. There's a lot of things in life you. that don't have a fix, you know, um, that we'd like to have fixes for. And you can't prepare for every possible eventuality out there. Um, but yeah. I just think the point I, is, uh, my, my, my thought is if there are ones that are more common, more severe, and can be potentially, you know, the severe effects of those conditions could be potentially delayed, postponed with enough time to get to higher advanced treatment with minimal cost, taking up minimal space and with minimal training. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I'm, I'm with you. I mean, 600 bucks is an unfair price for this. It, it, it ought is, to but be, 600 you know, bucks is cheap compared to somebody's, you know. It is, but right. it should be five times less than that, and it then it would be much more affordable yeah. for the <laughs> for the uh, airline. Uh, and also, they, they presumably have a shelf like these, so it's quite sure. likely everything that you'd have, has an expiration date. Yeah, yeah, that you'd have them for a while, and then you'd have to throw them away and get buy a whole bunch of new ones. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, and you could. Mm. So, it, I I agree with all your points. By the way. I think it's a. Yeah, I'm, I think it's. I, I also a, think they ought to have them on board. But mm -hmm. uh, I mean, uh, I remember British Airways got a big uh, 
round of applause when they uh, a doctor on board um, had to oh, I think he was creating a um, a hole in someone's chest wall so that their lung would reinflate yep, trying to think of the name of the yeah uh, and um, the, the, he made a sort of a, a ad hoc kit with a coat hanger and a rubber glove or something mm-hmm. um, our airline actually carried the full-blown kit on, oh, really? in their emergency packs yeah. you've still got to have someone Somebody who can with the it. knowledge yeah. Yeah. <laughs> of how to You're insert not have it a the chest just wall. decide to you know puncture in between someone's ribs in the hopes that the person will be able to breathe again yeah exactly but at least we had if if we found someone who would be willing to do that at least we had the the proper kit in our med kit because you get no praise for that no <laughs> no no damned if you do and damned if you don't exactly yeah, yeah. all right well um thank you steph our our doctor on the on staff here uh for helping us with that one um, let's go ahead before you actually leave us today, Steph. Yeah, I've got I've got a few more minutes still. Let's well, good, because you're gonna tell us what you have been up to since you were with us on the when last show. When was the show. last time? It's been I a was while. Here. I don't know. It's been a while. <laughs> um, that was like uh, last year, I think. Yeah, I think so. Something like that. Well no. we can we can segue into it with um this was not airline related, but I did get a chance to do bystander CPR. Um oh. On a trip to, I went to Boston just to spectate the marathon, and I left the hotel in the morning, and I decided I wanted some McDonald's, because I'm about the healthiest person you've ever met when it comes to nutrition, um, but an Egg McMuffin sounded really good, um, so I stopped That's in there, healthy? and I was Wait, waiting what? for my... <laughs> no, it's fine. Every once in a while, it's fine. Yeah. I stopped in there, and uh, there was a gentleman um, very clearly in poor health and probably had been neglecting any, um, you know, healthcare related things for quite some time, not oh, particularly kind of old, like me. but <laughs> no, 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 probably not a lot of resources or access to things. Not sure where he's, you know, spending the nights had been sitting in the McDonald's for quite a while. Um, suddenly slumped backwards over their chair and turned quite blue, um, very dramatic. Um, and there were not it was not an empty restaurant, like, but a lot of people just went on their way and looked around. And went, uh, help! <laughs> so I got someone to help me lower this guy to the floor. No pulse that I could easily detect, but given his coloring, he was not breathing. Um, did CPR, and this was in contrast to a lot of times when I've done CPR, and especially for being in the community, the quickest. I've had someone come back around ever and very fully and it's because it was very quick. And I think it probably was actually more asphyxiation, whatever he was eating got lodged. Um, And the chest compression served as a Heimlich of sorts and dislodged that. And he started breathing again. So that was good. Um, But EMS did arrive quite, quite quickly within a couple minutes. And I said, all right. Um, They were, they were familiar with this gentleman. It was not their first call to um, care for him, unfortunately. So Mm. hopefully, the next time it happens, someone else will be around. I don't know. Um, anyway, um, but got to watch uh, a bit of the Boston Marathon in person. That was quite fun. And then the following weekend, I went across the pond to London and um, had some family there with me. I did not get to see Nick, unfortunately. I'm sorry. I had a, It was kind of a Ooh. short bit. I know. Uh, well, he's right here. Let me look at him. 
I know. I see. <laughs> but I was, I was geographically Look close. And, yeah. <laughs> Didn't make it work out. But um, no, my dad was there. My brother and his girlfriend were there. And um, we did some. Oh, well, if you have the whole family along, I'm glad you didn't. You know. <laughs> But they wanted to do, it, my dad had never been, he wanted to do some, some sightseeing things and, of course, uh, you know, so wanted to uh, meet, meet the queen. It was a bit late for that. It was a bit late for that. Yeah. And we missed the coronation. <laughs> so, you know, our timing was just yeah. terrible on all counts. Um, but he wanted to go up to Abbey Road. He's a big Beatles fan. And, of course. You know, do that stuff. So, Excellent. Um, did that all day on Saturday. Oh, actually we did a lot of it on, on Friday. Friday was a little bit of a wash cause we got there Friday morning, um, and uh, just lack of sleep and jet lag and all that good stuff didn't make it very long in the day. Um, Saturday did a lot more just walking around. It was a beautiful day on Saturday, if I recall correctly. It was sunny. We kind of um, you just wanted to see everything. So we did a lot of walking. And then Saturday night, so the night before the marathon, I was feeling just off. You know, like I ate relatively early, was tired, kind of chalked that up to like, well, maybe I just didn't. I slept really well the night before, though, um, and I actually slept really well on the airplane. The the jet lag and time adjustment was not me. Um, so I was like, well, I don't know, maybe just travel, whatever. So I went to bed early, like 8.30, like very early. And I was awake an hour and a half later, just hot, like could not figure out how to regulate the temperature. I thought it was the temperature in the hotel room. I adjusted that. I adjusted the sheet and the you know comforter on the bed and put on lighter pajamas and hours went by just feeling hot and like could not sleep because of it. So around midnight, I finally got up. I was like, you know what? I'll take a shower. Maybe that'll help like cool off and I can get some better sleep for the next couple of hours. I still got time to get good sleep before this race. Um, so getting in the shower, I noticed like kind of up here, I had a little bit of a rash. And I was like, well, that's odd. Because I felt okay, aside from feeling hot and just a little bit off and fatigued, felt pretty okay otherwise. Shower worked, got to bed, um, was able to sleep the rest of the night. Very tired the next morning. I slept on the bus on the way on the coach on the way to um, the to Greenwich Park, where you kind of congregate before the start of the race. Um, it started to rain in the morning, and I had brought a like a little uh, tarp with me, kind of a tiny one, and then a poncho. And I put the tarp on the ground in the grass. I curled up underneath and fell asleep under my poncho for like an hour and a half before the start of the race. While it's raining, I was not. <laughs> um, Wow. Somehow you're woke very, up like right, huh? I think you'd make a good U.S. Marine. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well, maybe. I don't know. The, uh, and then uh, somehow managed to wake up before, you know, the race started and made it over to use the, the porta potty. Fortunately, the line, the queue was not too long. Um, did that, walked over, got in my corral, race started, and just kind of feeling like things were. Uh, like it was more effort than it should have been for the pace that I was running for what I was doing and kind of struggled through about six miles of that. And I was like, you know, something just is not right. So I stopped I'm like, maybe I just like need to use the porta potty again or something. Who knows? Running does all kinds of things to your system. So I, I actually stopped like where there were porta potties, went into the porta potty, but didn't use it. I just had a lot of coughing all of a sudden, like, but it wasn't bring anything up and then felt very like, short of breath and was wheezing. And like when I stopped, I started to feel all of that or at least make note of it and pay attention to it. And I was like, well, that's not great. So like, I'll just walk for a while. Um, and kind of realized, well, Hey, maybe all this adds up that like, 
I have something, some sort of virus, um, not, not feeling a hundred percent. That's what's been going on. It's like, I'm just going to do a walk jog. I texted my, uh, sent a message to my coach. I was like, you're probably not even awake yet, but just so you know, I'm think I'm under the weather. Like I'm going to have to just do what I can to, to kind of finish this text my family. I was like, Hey, I'm going to be a little later at the, uh, point where you're waiting than you were planning on. So don't be alarmed. I'm, I'm okay. Not in like medical tent or anything. I just need to back off and listen to what my body's telling me. So, um, kind of just muddled through that and finished about an hour slower than, than I wanted to, but it was bizarre. And the other symptom I had, which was really weird, um, eating. And I noticed it a little bit the night before, but didn't really pay attention to it. And then that day and the following morning, um, it would make the roof of my mouth hurt, like, which was really odd only while eating. And then it all went away. And I had a couple negative COVID tests. It wasn't that. I never felt sick in other ways. And as long as I wasn't exerting myself, I was pretty okay. <laughs> so I don't know what that was. Some some very bizarre British viral illness. So uh, uh, Don't blame it on us. You brought it with you. <laughs> I did not You've bring it with me. <laughs> to us all with it now. Thanks for that. You're welcome. <laughs> um, but hey, it was a finish and it actually ended up, um, I'm really glad I kind of stuck it out and, and made it through it. So uh, those are the ones that kind of, you know, test your fortitude. Have you got your um, intestinal ba uh, trophy, your badge, your medal? Um, it's already hanging up with my other medals downstairs. I did not. Ah, uh, uh, okay. Because uh, they do a little picture of your intestines on <laughs> every one of these. And that's the reason why. It's the Thames. Yeah, well, it's yeah. the same thing. Don't drink the river water. <laughs> yeah. I, oh, there was my mistake. That's what mm. it was. Shoot, I, yeah. I was really thirsty when we were walking around on Saturday. It got warm. No, I did not drink so it's the just water. So it's still a mystery? You don't know what? Still a mystery. No idea what it was. Mm -hmm. I feel fine yeah. now. Yeah, well, you'll be dead. You know, you months. should have a word with the doctor. Oh, <laughs> Probably. So I did find out I had had some lab work done, and my, my iron stores are pretty low, which is not super a super uncommon problem. And I don't really think that contributed, but I have um, dutifully made a appointment with, I need, I need a new primary care GP doctor. So I have set up an appointment to get established with a new one and that will be next month. You so. need to go to an iron store. An iron Buy store. Some more iron. More She's going to be yeah. doing ironing like the other guys. Or ironing. Um, yeah. That's another, yeah. Yes. Oh, see, I'm just in the wrong sport. Yeah. <laughs> you you take up extreme ironing. Extreme ironing. That's the way to go. A mm. couple of uh, announcements. Um, and I think you may have mentioned this last show. I don't know. I saw it on the calendar. So mm -hmm. um, I'm pretty sure this is official. I should probably check with the fine guys over at PTUK. Um, yeah. May me. 19th. Yep. Let me look at the time because I don't remember what they said. <laughs> Hold on. I'm not good with schedules. So I'll tell you about that here in a second, too. Um, we're going to have a joint APG PTUK meetup in Charlotte on the 19th of May. And I'm going to get the exact time here. Uh, maybe we don't. 6 p.m. at Noda Brewing Company at their North End location. Um, we'll have all that information in a post. If you're listening now, that's 150 West 32nd Street here in Charlotte. And there's a picture of it uh, right there. Yeah. If you're if you're in Charlotte or familiar, you probably know where the north end location mm. of Noda is. They're a large local brewery um, and have a lot of events there. I see it's but, got a, a very interesting arrow saying parking and tap room. Mm -hmm. So hopefully they're not in the same spot, but it 
points across the building, and then when you get round the corner, there's another one that points down points the building. The, and yeah, presumably you keep going there's another the one on the yeah, next corner. Side one keeps, yeah. You just, you keep just drive, you just drive around in circles. You know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. There's one on every corner, <laughs> so cruel. you just end up walking around around this building. <laughs> yeah. So, so I would hope that there's um, a, a is there a so spot Carla, for so somebody like me to show up for that. Of course, all okay. are welcome. Um, so Carlos is going to be here, which is really the occasion for us to put all this together. So Carlos and Armando from PTUK, Plain Talking UK, and myself and whoever else is in the area and can join us. So hopefully you can be there. That's two weeks from today. Cool. Very soon. Excellent. Yeah. Well done. And speaking of schedules that I have um, not done a very good job of managing mine as of late, um, I forgot until about an hour and a half ago that I purchased tickets to um, a symphony event tonight that I um, invited my father to. So I'm going to leave shortly so that we can make it to that on time. Ah, what, what are they uh, playing? Um, there is actually the, they're doing a princess bride um, mm. event. So they're playing oh, okay. kind of the score and soundtrack gotcha. to it while you, the movie plays in the background. That's very so. popular, a very popular thing. These popular, days. Yeah. Yeah, I have not been to one, but I love the Princess Bride, so that was what prompted I wish me to. You could stay longer. But... Cool. Well, we're so happy Excellent. that you were able to join us for a little bit. Yeah. Before I'm you have sorry, to I messed up my go off. Man, I tell you, this week's been this week's been a doozy. So I'm glad I was able to join you guys for a little while. Um, and highlight so of my week, definitely. So, um, I probably have. Uh, I'm actually thinking I need to. Yeah, just go. Yeah, get out of here. I need. I probably need to get, get myself going. together and ready. No, and we don't right actually want you around and... anymore. We've had enough already. <laughs> yeah, I need to. I, you know, I didn't do anything special for the show, obviously, but the symphony. Now I got to get myself together. Yeah, come on. Um, You're better than on. that stuff. Um, Hi, and I, uh, real quick, um, probably flying all weekend. Flew a little bit last weekend. The weather was mm, iffy, but it looks like it's going to be a gorgeous weekend for some flying. So excellent. Oh, good. I'll be doing that. Enjoy your flying. Try and avoid the icing. Yeah. It's there's not if there's icing here, it's the forecast was way off. <laughs> off to be, well, you, know, you can never trust those men. Apparently man. not. It wasn't it wasn't given in Alaska. So No. And you think right. they'd know better. <laughs> right. Mm, you'd think. All right. Well have a great rest of the show. I look forward to listening to all of it and I will see you guys next time. All right. Bye. Cherry, bye. Ta -ta. bye. Ta -ta. All right. Um yeah, let's go back to uh one A. And, uh, yeah, so, so nice to, uh, see and hear Steph. Yeah. And, uh, um, absolutely. Yeah. And we look forward to seeing and hearing her again, uh, on the next show. Uh, but in, in the meantime, we'll continue with this one. And, uh, this item here is from the Aviation Herald and it involves, um, an American Airlines Boeing 737 800, uh, taking off from Columbus airport in uh, Columbus, Ohio. And let me start with this. Mayday, mayday, mayday. American uh, 1958, we had a bird strike in an engine failure. American 1958, Roger. Uh, can you make it left traffic back to the runway? Uh, we need straight out for now. American 1958, Roger. And uh, when you can, say your request. Uh, for American uh, 1958, uh, I don't think the runway is going to be good for us. On uh, to the left, so we'd like to do it right. American 1958, uh, Roger. 
do need to make a right-hand turn for um, for 10 left. Now let's uh, let's make left. Roger, left close traffic to Bruce, and uh, just let me know if you need anything else. Roger. And American uh, 1958 requesting level off at 3,000. American 1958 approved, whatever you need. Thank you. American 1958, you're still planning for 2-8, right? Affirmative, stand by. Okay. American 1958, can you accept the frequency change? Uh, giving you one second. Go ahead with the frequency. 125.95 for approach. 2595, thank you, American uh, 1958. Airport 3, I just want to make sure, since there was a bird strike, you wanted to close the left side right now, correct? Right. Southwest 706, just going to have to be patient with us. Uh, left side's closed for now. There was a bird strike, and that guy that departed is trying to make it back to the airport. So just give us just a minute. Okay. So they continued on a extended downwind and uh, worked their checklists and made their way back to the airport and landed on 28 left. Initially, they said... Um, they requested 28 right because the, this bird strike happened somewhere very close to the runway on the initial liftoff, and uh, they thought that uh, you know the the air uh, the runway may be fouled. Oh, I didn't mean to make that a pun, um, <laughs> but it it is. Um, and uh, they did an inspection and found that the air, the uh, runway was fine, and so they came back and landed on the longer runway, uh, 28 left at uh, Columbus. And, uh, yeah, so they, they did exactly what they were supposed to do in this situation where you have a very large bird uh, entering an engine and basically um, causing a uh, compressor stall. I mean, the FAA are on the 24th of April reported aircraft struck a bird on takeoff. Engine number two caught fire and not really. It was a compressor stall and, and sometimes the compressor stalls cause the engine to kind of emit a lot of um, – you know, streaks of flame and that kind of thing. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Liz is saying that uh, she added this because we talked about on the last episode, the fly Dubai uh, incident where the uh, airplane was taking off, the flight was taking off out of uh, Kathmandu and uh, hit a bird and had some compressor stalls and same kind of thing happened here. Yeah. And, yeah. In fact, you, you, we can tell it was a multiple bird strike because just looking at the picture there, there's a huge, uh, red smear on the uh, leading edge inboard of the engine, uh, which is obviously the impact of another bird. looks like it's dented it. Uh, geese are big birds. You know, you mm. really don't want to hit one. Uh, they're going to do a lot of damage to both your airframe and an engine. So uh, yeah, I'm not surprised they had all the problems they did. It sounded like they were just being their good professional selves the i love the rt uh, i love his mayday call uh, well done sir um you, you know just up there at the top of my esteem now well uh, i think that's becoming that more and more common these days uh, for for quite some well, time brilliant. in my career and that just something you just never did or heard anybody doing but apparently now that uh, our our world is becoming much smaller especially our aviation world you're starting to hear more people use the term mayday, mayday, mayday. And uh, I thought you'd be happy about that. Yeah, absolutely. No, it was perfect. Uh, we we in the simulator, um, we do almost an identical call, but usually at the end of it, we say stand by or wait. Uh, so we don't want to reply, really. We're just 
telling the guy so that you know he knows that we're going to be doing uh, our own thing for a little while. But then usually you're doing the uh, vital actions for this uh, failure, and you don't really want to be talking, uh, having lots of conversation until you've got the thing settled down. You're all trimmed out, uh, secured the engine, or decided what you're going to, and then decided if you're going to return or go somewhere else or what. But I think most uh, the most important thing you should be doing at this point is um, listening to the ATIS uh, recording to see if there are any <laughs> significant changes. Yeah, so you have the right letter for yes. when you need to come back. Exactly. <laughs> Thankfully, we didn't hear. Yeah. I know we, I just played a little bit of a you know clip of the whole audio for that whole incident. But uh, the, at no point did the controller ask him to pick up the latest ATIS uh, oh, recording. That's, that's good. Well done. Well done, controller. Yes. And, um, yeah, but you you heard eventually the guy uh, did say, no, I can't accept it, you know, stand mm -hmm. by. I, yeah. I need some time here because this is so much um, – cross-cockpit communication going on, uh, even if it's just the confirmation of vital switches to make sure you've got the correct engine that you're going to uh, move um, controls for. Um, and um, then a, a discussion perhaps on uh, on your next actions. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, it's very hard to have a third party come and we're so programmed to reply to air traffic mm -hmm. that it becomes a real, um, you know, problem when uh, you get a, a controller that uh, won't let you go. You know, he's obviously got an important job to do. You've got to make sure you don't mm -hmm. fly into anyone else. No point in handling the emergency perfectly and then having a mid-air collision because you're not listening to the controller. But you've got to weigh that up with, um, you know, getting the important drills done. Well, luckily, the American yeah. Airlines officials weren't banned from the airport like the Fly Dubai ones were in Kathmandu. Yeah, a little bit of a different uh, political atmosphere, I think. Um, but uh, yes, good point made, uh, Captain Nick, regarding, you know, I, d I don't think that we use this often enough. Stand by. I can't talk to you right now. We, we're, we're busy doing stuff here. Or unable. You know, there right. are times when yeah. we really need to, you know, we. I think in general, we want to help out as much as we can and and uh, we, you, know, you can kind of get a sense sometimes when air traffic control is trying to, you know, expedite things and get you out of there between the gap and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, we have to realize that, you know, what we're doing is a very important, a very important job. And the safety of our, of our passengers is uh, very important. And sometimes we just have to say unable. We need to like, let's slow this down and say, well, we can't do that. I'm sorry. You know, we'll wait, you know, whatever. So, um, yeah. Of the three vital uh, components, uh, you know, aviate, navigate, communicate, communicate uh, is number three mm -hmm. on that list. So you've got to do the first two and be happy with that before you tackle number three. Absolutely. All right. Um, here we have another one from Paddle Your Own Canoe. We talked about this, I believe, on the last episode, the, uh, the, the trial, uh, the uh, case against... Air France and Airbus in the deadly 2009 crash of the uh, Airbus A330 uh, Air France Flight 447. Uh, the Paris Public Prosecutor's Office said on Thursday last week that it would appeal the decision of a local court to acquit flag carrier Air France and European aerospace giant Airbus over a deadly crash in 2009 that killed all 220, 228 people on board. Uh, they were cleared of involuntary manslaughter on April 17, 
following a years-long legal battle following the crash of Air France 447 from Rio de Janeiro to Paris on June 1st, 2009, which plunged into the Atlantic Ocean. The acquittal did not take uh, legal observers by surprise, and a not-guilty verdict was widely anticipated in the days leading up to the judgment being announced. Nonetheless, the Paquet General de Paris said on April 27 that it intends to appeal the judgment, saying it wanted to make full use of the remedies provided for by law and submit the case for yet further scrutiny. Family members of those killed on board the flight had deplored the, the verdict, which concluded that while Air France and Airbus were responsible for several acts of negligence, these fell short of establishing a link with the accident. Uh, Flight 447 crashed after the Airbus 330's aircraft suffered a mid-air stall. Investigators concluded that the stall occurred when the airplane's uh, pitot tubes, which measure airspeed, iced over during the flight. Yeah, well, that happened because they weren't paying close attention to their flight's path over weather that would cause their pitot tubes to ice over. Anyway. That's a little editorial comment by Captain Jeff, airline pilot guy show. Sorry. I, I read that uh, no individuals fa- faced prosciutto. That's well, you uh, know, an Italian was, sausage, isn't it? That is a good point. I was going to make <laughs> that was going to be my final point here. The last sentence. Oh, I'm sorry. I no, no, no. no I'm glad you brought this up, Nick, because it's very important. No individuals faced yeah. prosciutto. And instead, mm-hmm. both companies faced a maximum penalty of just 225 thousand uh euros each and i'm thinking so would facing prosciutto be such a bad thing and then i thought well wait a minute that prosciutto is a lovely uh a ham uh, uh, but i'm I'm thinking that's more of an italian thing not a french thing so i'm, I'm kind of confused about this whole thing <laughs> yeah so am i and uh you know i i would quite be happy you face it because it's usually very tasty <laughs> it's yes. very tasty <laughs> and yeah. obviously it is a a misspelling in the uh, in the article, but I just I highlighted it because I thought it was pretty funny. <laughs> okay, but, um, I mean I think uh, the verdict surprised a lot of uh, people who just you know have an awareness of the um, accident, and um, you know there have been books, many many articles uh, written about it, and all have come basically to a similar. Uh, conclusion as to uh, who made what mistakes. And I think a lot of people just found it a very odd verdict. But according to, of course, the legal observers, they they know what standard of proof you have to achieve in a French court. And, you know, it's a bit sad if you uh, feel the other way. But, uh, you know, they obviously didn't achieve it in this case. And they it was probably understood by most people, uh, legal observers, that they they hadn't, you know, reached that mark. Uh, taking it to a higher court, well, um, yeah, they they might get a different verdict, of course, but by the sounds of it, it doesn't look like they will. But I think it's quite right to, you know, air it as much as possible because, uh, you know, the both the airline and the manufacturer. Um, you need to make sure that they're squeaky clean, if not in this particular incident, certainly in the future. Um, so I think it, it's always right that people should be held to account for things they may have done that were far from ideal. Okay. 
let's continue with this from the military.com. Uh, the Army grounds all aircraft following two deadly helicopter crashes. The Army's top officer, uh, General James McConville, ordered a safety stand-down directing all aviation units to go over the maintenance of their aircraft, not aircrafts, military.com, uh, pilot training and safety precautions. The grounding and what is wrong with people these days? I, I, don't I just know. don't understand so frustrated, uh, so mad, these man. journalists. Uh, the grounding includes aircraft overseas in Europe and combat zones such as Iraq and Syria, but an officer at the rank of two-star general or above can disregard the stand-down in emergencies, such as medical evacuations, one Army official told Military.com. The safety of our aviators is our top priority, and the stand-down is an important step to make certain we are doing everything possible, possible to prevent accidents and protect our personnel. Uh, McConville, who has a background as an aviator, said in the statement, during the stand-down, we will focus on safety and training protocols to ensure our pilots and crews have the knowledge, training, and awareness to safely complete their assigned mission. The order comes after two AH-64 Apache helicopters crashed into each other near Fort Wainwright, Alaska. Three 11th Airborne Division soldiers died and another was hospitalized. In March, nine soldiers with the 101st Airborne were killed in a crash involving two Black Hawk helicopters in southwestern Kentucky marking one of the deadliest training accidents in the Army's history. The specifics behind both those crashes are still being investigated. In addition to those crashes, two Tennessee National Guard soldiers died in a Black Hawk crash in Alabama in February. And that same month, two soldiers were injured when an Apache helicopter crashed in Alaska. Friday's order requires active duty units to complete the safety stand-down by May 5th, and uh, let's see what day is today today okay um a process that entails briefings by senior officers on safety issues army national guard units have until may 31st possibly tricky task for units heavily manned with part-time soldiers aviation units are allowed to resume flights after the stand down so there we go not good things are and, and this is not an unusual thing i don't know if it happens the same way over there um, across the pond. But uh, while I was in the U.S. Air Force, uh, there were at least once, maybe a, twice times when things started going, you know, you're, you're starting to have a lot of accidents, incidents, that kind of thing. And, and it's like a time to say, okay, let's put, hit the pause button, time out. Let's think about what's happening here. Let's go back to the basics and consider our training and, you know, try to figure out what's going on here, what's wrong? Why is this happening? And uh, something that you can't really do in the world of airline flying, because you know you're you're not going to want to show up to the airport and find that your flight's canceled and won't operate again until you know two or three days later, uh, because they want to have a stand down. You know, so uh, it's a little bit different world. But in the military, they can do it. Yeah, I I. And I was very interested the first time you talked about this, and you've mentioned it a couple of times since, Jeff, but this is the first time I've ever actually read about one happening. So I find it quite intriguing. I really do. Mm -hmm. So that didn't happen at all, when at least when you were in nope. the... Uh... I, I've not, never heard of it, an equivalent in anyone else's hmm. Air Force. Uh, 
I'm not guarantee that it's <laughs> yeah. a true statement, right. but in the RAF, I never experienced one. So uh, I, I guess it, it it still is an option. You could you could do that, but it, I, I think if it was going to be done, it would be done more at uh, unit level uh, rather than throughout the entire Air Force. But uh, and I had been through periods where we had a, a number of uh, uh, severe incidents um, and deaths uh, in the Phantom world. Uh, on our base, um, in fact, you know, mainly involving, but not entirely, one particular squadron, um, and uh, you know, they went through a, a whole raft of funerals in a very short period, and we had a couple of incidents. Luckily, uh, we didn't lose anybody, um, but um, no one actually went. Okay, let's stop flying for a few days, and um, let's talk about all this and make sure we're all on the same page uh um no it, it never happened i i think it might have been valuable you wonder if it would have arrested that trend and i think that um one of the things it does is it just kind of it, it's almost like a shock like a whoa okay wow this is so important they're basically shutting everything down for a day or two or a week or whatever and uh, it just kind of, I think that if these things had happened in the background, people may or may not have heard about it. But when everything completely shuts down, it gets everybody's attention. And uh, perhaps that's the value yeah. of it. Uh, yeah. And apart from that, you know, you all get to hear the party line uh, so that the entire you know Air Force gets to talk about and listen to the words of wisdom that might you know, save the next incident from happening. Yep. All right. Let's uh, move on to the next item. I have to load a um, video. This uh, was, uh, as we mentioned, from Vast Aviation, and uh, they use uh, liveatc.net recordings and a, a simulated radar overlay. Uh, to kind of present these situations. And this was an interesting one that happened at uh, a beautiful place in the United States of America, the San Francisco International Airport. San Francisco Tower, November 595, Bravo. Good afternoon. We are approaching Charlie for runway 28 right. We are ready for departure. Gulfstream 595, Bravo. It's going to be 28 left for departure now for the traffic. At the approach, cross 28 right, runway 28 left, line up and wait. Runway 28 left for lineup and wait. November 595 Bravo. Okay, so they cross 28 right. They line up at 28 left. Delta 1384, plan 28 right for departure. Caution jet blast for the departing Gulf Stream. Cross 28 left. Runway 28 right, line up and wait. All right, we're going to need, uh, need two minutes for uh, taking off on the right. Okay, traffic two out, uh, 10 out. So cross 28 left, 28 right, line up and wait, advise ready. Okay, cross 28 left, 28 right, we'll advise and ready for Delta 1384. Okay, so they're about to cross 28 left. Tower for Delta 1384, just wants to cross 28 left and 28 right, hold on, Charlie. Nope, I want you to line up and wait on 28 right and advise ready, traffic's on a 9 or mile final. You said you need 2 minutes, it'll be 5 minutes before they land. If you're not comfortable with it, hold short of 28 right and advise ready. Nope, we're good with uh, 5 minutes and we'll line up and wait on 28 right for Delta 1384. Are you, though? Are you? Mm-hmm. So Mass Aviation put a little time, span on, time stamp. <laughs> five, 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 brother. 
So uh, the oh, Delta flight. 4668, runway 28 right, clear to land, traffic in position 737. Right, clear to land, The 737 is going out of position, 28 right. Two minutes have elapsed. They said they needed two minutes. Delta 1384, any left on the numbers? One more minute for Delta 1384. Okay, so longer than two minutes. Exit at Charlie 2, get behind the heavy, hold short of 28 right. Okay, well, exit at Charlie 2, get behind the heavy for uh, 28 right, Delta 1384. Okay, so he. Moves up the runway. He's waiting for the heavy to clear. Delta 1384, although I know you are not ready, there is traffic about a mile behind you. Get back to the fast possible, Delta 1384. Please hurry. <laughs> Next time, runway changes more than 30 seconds notice. Ooh, okay. So did you get the ATIS? <laughs> I'm going to take silence as the fact that you probably did not read the ATIS. Okay. The, the ATIS um, says... Can I make this point whether you like it or yeah. not? Departing aircraft, get numbers and brief both runways, 28 left and 28 right. Advise you have information, Victor. That's the very last statement in the uh, ATIS. Okay, so they expect you to have the numbers for both runways and be ready. All right, so... Uh, she asks, are they identical length, those runways? I can't remember. I think they are, but you still need to technically have numbers for each. So, Oh, yeah, but one of us for one will work for the other. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I agree with you. Okay, hang on. Let, let's uh, continue this. I'm going to take silence as the fact that you probably did not read the ATIS. <laughs> <laughs> we did read the ATIS, but we set up to a left. But our, our information says that you do need to have those numbers and pre-brief for this, for this exact reason. We have them, man, but setting up takes at least three to four minutes. Okay, and you asked me for two, and that's what I gave you, and you needed more. we got to be honest about our numbers here. Yeah, it wasn't Air Canada this time. Yeah, they don't do very well at San Francisco, no. do they, Liz? No, they don't. <laughs> and then it says both continued to communicate normally. Okay, so she was a little snarky there, but, you know, to be fair. Okay, so they, they probably did have both 28 left, 28 right numbers. And I think the mistake was made by the Delta crew by saying they only needed two minutes to change all the stuff that they have to change in the FMS, in the box, we call it, um, to, to be legal for all this and then brief the new numbers and the new power settings and everything. Now, as Nick mentioned, it's I think those runways are very similar in length and 900 feet difference. So, you know, there could be a possible change a oh, little yeah. bit and maybe, a, you know, the V1, V, V rotate speeds, et cetera. But, you know, it's not a huge difference. But technically speaking, we have to have the correct numbers for the runway that we're using. Yep. If something goes wrong and they say, wait a minute, didn't you put in the new numbers for it? No, because they were pretty close to the same thing. No, that, that's not going to fly when you're at the hearing <laughs> trying to explain why you messed something up. So, you know, you got to have it in there. But I think the mistake was made that they just threw this arbitrary two minutes to, to accomplish everything they were, they were going to 
have to accomplish before takeoff. And, and they, uh, they underestimated how long it was going to take. And then of course the controller, she's trying to manage all this traffic coming in and they have these gaps. And, uh, so, you know, I, I, I think I've fault both, both the pilot crew and the, and the air traffic controllers that probably could have been done a little bit better. But again, if I'd been in the, cockpit of the airplane I, I probably wouldn't have said two minutes i probably would have like asked for a little bit more than that just to have a little bit of a margin because you know it depends on how quickly you can type in all those different you know push those little buttons on your flight management system uh keypad you know yeah I, i'm assuming both runways have an identical departure uh, i mean it's a long time since i've operated mm-hmm. that i can't remember i think so yes um so, uh, and the other thing is that, uh, yeah, uh, in the early days of the Airbus, it used to do a position fix when you push the throttles forward um, by assuming you're at the end of the runway. And if you hadn't changed the runway, you'd instantly feed in um, an error that consisted of the distance between you, uh, where you are and where the kit thought you were. So you've actually got to change your departure runway, which means re-entering all that departure information, um, selecting the the standard instrument departure, etc. So, yeah, altering the, the numbers and putting the, the V-speeds in to the box as well for the auto call-outs. And so you've got it displayed on your instrumentation. Yeah, that does take a while. And it's, it's not just one of you doing it and saying, yeah, it's done. Because it's safety vital information, you've both got to you got to redo the checklist, it. the change items on the checklist. <laughs> exactly, so that's going right. to take time. I think uh, here's the yeah. here's the deal. I think that sometimes we, uh, again, like it doesn't seem like think it we're takes better than we it, are. It, well, <laughs> that's part of it, yes. But like I think that uh, the uh, our time, uh, the estimate of time, or what we perceive as time, is different because, like when, when I'm in the airplane and I'm going from the final approach fix or five miles out to touchdown, that seems like it happens pretty darn quickly quickly but when you lif- listen listen <laughs> when you listen to um these recordings and people are calling the final approach fix it just seems like it takes forever before they're finally touching yeah. it down so i think our idea of time sometimes is a little skewed and distorted and uh and so they you know, two minutes seems like a long time but two <laughs> two minutes is not a long time and uh so you know they probably would have it would have been helpful, I think, if they had just said, "Hey, can look, we'd like to go ahead and cross and and uh, just go down the runway and then just you know get resequenced for uh, two eight right." I haul boxes in our live audience says, "If that ATIS came out anywhere later than pushback, no one would have gotten it." This convention is very unprofessional. I'm assuming I haul boxes that this ATIS was probably something that had been broadcast all day long, all the different letters and everything else. I don't think it was like a last minute change in the ATIS. Well, they were managing their traffic. But nice try for giving them an out. <laughs> but uh, but I mean, they they did make the point, hey, it takes a little bit longer than, you know, two minutes, but they're the ones that put that constraint there. Right. That's all yeah. I'm saying. They no, should have the done thing that. at that point is to go, Sorry, ma'am. How do we fix this? Mm-hmm. We're going to have to wait. I mean, <laughs> she even gave take him, a little. Longer. She even gave him an out, saying, "If you don't, if you think that you're going to, it's going to take longer than that, hold short of two eight left, and let yeah. me know when you're ready." Yeah. yeah. And they they could have said, "Okay, let's do that," 
now that gives us a little bit more time. We go through the checklist, everything, all the I's are dotted and the T's are crossed. And now we say, ma'am, we're ready to go for 2-8 right. You know, that's yeah. probably the way that should have been handled. But again, I wasn't there. But Jeff, 1G yeah. isn't time critical. If you want to okay. skip over it, I can add it next show. All right. Um, why don't we do this just to keep this thing rolling here today? We're going to go ahead. There's one more news item in here, but we're going to we're going to go ahead and push that to the next show. And I'm going to hope that pushing this button right here. Oh, I was wrong. <laughs> I was I was hoping <laughs> that that was going to uh, work. It's not something you like to hear in the cockpit. No, I was hoping that I push this button and something would happen that I'm expecting, but it's not. Um, I don't know why my sound... a new beer would be delivered or something? Oh, here we go. Well, I'll just oh, do that. That works. A beer? Yes. A beer delivery? Is that possible here? Room service! Oh, I think you have to call somebody. You're going to have to shout loudly. <laughs> apparently. I don't want to shout too much more loudly because then uh, my neighbors might think that uh, I'm suffering a stroke or something. And call 911. <laughs> I don't want that to happen. Or getting a stroke. Or, yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, <laughs> getting to know you. It's the uh, time of the show. <laughs> That's much later, Captain Nick. Um, the uh, time of the show where we kind of get all caught up with what we have been doing between shows. We've already heard from Dr. Staff because she had to leave. Uh, but Captain Nick, the best ones, uh, and I are going to uh, tell you about, in our own minds bet. anyway, <laughs> what we have been doing since the last episode. And uh, Captain Nick, I'm going to let you start. Oh, that's very kind. Um, yeah, I thought so. Well, not a, <laughs> not a great deal has gone on. Um, uh, played a little bowls. We had our first serious match of the year, and we did very well and uh, um, trounced our opponents. Uh, so moving on through that knockout competition. Excellent. Uh, I, I think I played okay. Uh, the the green we were playing on uh, is a bit of a country uh, club, and uh, I don't mean that like a country club because you expect that to be very smart, but this mm -hmm. is a, a club in the country. Oh, okay. <laughs> and they're green looked like some old uh, um, bit of uh, an old field that had just had the hay. <laughs> but anyway, it wasn't my, in the best I shape. mustn't. Um, no, no, it wasn't. It was a bit heavy. Mm. You know, we were chucking the bowls up there like we were throwing them out at the end, and they were hardly going more than halfway out. <laughs> and you couldn't see um, them. By the way, it was such tall grass. <laughs> disappeared in the grass. Yeah. All the grass had this strange brown color, so it didn't look very mm. healthy. Ooh. Anyway, we uh, we came out of it, so that was good. And um, and sadly, um, Mrs. Captain Nick has not been on top form. She's not been feeling very well oh, last ooh. couple of days, so taken over some of uh, the things we share, like, you know, long log walks and mm -hmm. uh, doing the weekly shopping round. Jilly, <laughs> she wrote me this huge list, which I fulfilled uh, every single item bar one, um, and um, a few extras, <laughs> like some half a dozen bottles of very nice uh, um, McLaren Vale um, uh, Shiraz, uh, mm. which uh, I shouldn't probably have... <laughs> But they 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 did. We're offering twenty five percent off. Oh, it's a bargain. Oh, so that's good. Uh, that was very. That nice. wasn't on the list. Yeah. Anyway, 
No, it wasn't on the list, but it was on my list for when you come visit. <laughs> oh, oh good, it's your fault, Jeff. It's your fault. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh, you're okay. blaming on me. I see. Okay. Yeah, I intend to fully. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah. And um, what else is big? So, I, I'm a bit weary, uh, leg weary, because, you know, shopping makes you tired. Mm. Didn't you know that? Mm -hmm. Anyway, so uh, everything, everything else is fine, really. Um, and then, shall I just mention the cover mm -hmm. art while I'm here? Yeah, why not? Is that worth is it? Mm -hmm. uh, there it is. Now, that apart from the lettering, that and the uh, Acme embroidered jacket. I rather like that. That's mm -hmm. that. I would have one of those. Uh, looks like a sheepskin flying jacket a bit, doesn't it? With the Acme uh, logo embroidered across the back. Oh, are, are you thinking that we should offer that in merchandise, perhaps? Well, I think you just need to buy me one. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, I like that. Well, well, I like the look of that. That okay. looks good. Anyway, Put that on my uh, I, I, I just said, and I, engine falling from the sky because this was uh you know remember that mm -hmm. um 747 that that spat out most of its engine blades the long in, tail somewhere in germany wasn't it yeah it was a uh, netherlands i think oh okay and they were these huge fan blades were sticking mm -hmm. in the top of mm -hmm. cars mm -hmm. and anyway i couldn't quite get uh mid-journey to ai to give me that but this was the best they came up Pretty with good. this rather cool lad strolling unconcerned towards this vast jet engine that has just plummeted from the skies no and fear backed in the ground it, yeah in this huge huge explosion of of uh of smoke and uh and debris so i thought that was a very striking image i like mm -hmm. that um, so well done, uh, Mid Journey. And that's actually how it really happened there in that little town. Yeah, absolutely. The, uh, well, you, you've seen the movie Lost, haven't you? Mm -hmm. Where the, they they all standing around this crashed airliner engine, and someone gets sucked in, don't they? I can't mm -hmm. remember. But, uh, anyway, uh, yeah, that's always how it happens. Yeah, yeah, complete engines turning around and crashing out the sky. And anyway, I've was taken a close say. look at the um, show number. Is it somewhere in the engine hub? Oh, yeah, very good. It is indeed. Uh, not right in the center of no. the engine, uh, but Underneath on the, the sort blades, of um, like... the, the, what are they called, um, uh, Christmas trees, where the um, engine blades are, uh, are sort of uh, locked into position right. on, the, uh, on the fan hub there. Yeah. Uh, in about the one two o'clock position, yeah, you'll, you'll see it written uh -huh. there. Okay. It's not frantically clear because I, I used an it. odd font, so it, it kind of looked quite angular. Well, Liz is very proud. There. She said, "I got it." She she found it good. Well done. Yeah. that's excellent. Excellent. Yeah, but um, uh, I mean, I I always assume that that using Mid Journey would be a great time saver. <laughs> it's not actually. It's not? Okay, well, oh, really? you don't have no, to continue to it, use it. it. <laughs> no, no, I do. I like using yeah. it, but it, it takes about the same length of time as it was me to dream one of these up and build it myself. And I think the results in some cases are, are better, but it, it takes a lot of uh, time for it to generate, and um, it takes multiple inputs to get something close to what you want. I so, hope Boxes uh, says they're the dovetails. I, I still dovetails. thought it was good. It was uh, good mm -hmm. fun. Well, I haul boxes thinks that uh, what you were talking about with Christmas trees, although there might be different terms, 
uh, dovetails, I guess, like a dovetail joint or whatever. Um, yeah, that's the same function, yeah. but there's, there's more than one sh uh, sort of triangle. And you it know, depends on the time of year as well. If it's toward the end of the year, then Christmas tree. <laughs> yes. Are more Exactly right. right. That's good. Technical here. And by the way, they, they don't fit very well or don't appear to. So when you go to a cold engine and you can hear the, the, the fans just drifting around in the wind, you can hear a tinkling noise. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like wind There's all these joints where the, the blades join the hub. Uh, they, they click because they're loose. Mm -hmm. uh, and so they don't tighten up until they get hot. It's quite, it just is an interesting thing. I thought when you got hot, you loosened up. We both walked around a lot of <laughs> engines, and you hear it tinkling away in the, yeah. in the wind sometimes. Liz is confused. She said that she heard that uh, uh, everything what, – what was that you said, Liz? You loosen up when you, you get hot. You loosen up when you get hot. <laughs> anyway. Um, okay, Jeff, what have you been doing? What have I been doing? Anything else, Nick, that we, we don't want to – Skip anything? No, else no, I'm, I'm nothing. I'm What's he doing life. tomorrow? Is he watching I'm, anything I'm on really TV? Boring. I've got new glasses. Oh yeah, you do have new glasses. They're very attractive, and uh, apparently they're the kind that he paid extra for so you can actually see through them. Um, <laughs> so uh, tomorrow, am I watching anything TV? Oh yeah, we we've got Queen, no King, King arriving tomorrow. Oh, Queen. the coronation. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I'll forgot to mention TV. that coronation. Excellent. But the most important I've thing is, is there, on my is there a Formula One race tomorrow? Oh, they're probably, yeah. I think I they're going to cancel it because of the coronation. There might not be a, a Formula One no, race. No, it's tomorrow. in Miami, Miami isn't yeah. it? Oh, it is. Tomorrow. That's right. It's Miami uh, Grand Prix. Basically around yeah, so parking lot. Yeah, so they're not going to cancel a, that. That's for in sure. A, in a, some marina down there. Um, yeah, we're waiting to see uh, what George is going to say to Max. Next time they meet. <laughs> yeah, that's become an interesting thing going on there, isn't it? Oh, What's yeah. funny about it is that okay, we're 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 delving into Formula One a little bit. Just please <laughs> give us a break. Um, not aviation related at all, uh, but uh, you know, I, I think it's kind of funny. Uh, George Russell, uh, the one of the drivers for Mercedes, is um, kind of doing things that are very similar to the way that Max Verstappen. Um, kind of behaved a few years back when he was a little bit younger and newer in the sport. And now Max has a little bit more maturity and is kind of giving, you know, Russell a bad time. But I'm thinking that's kind of ironic. Isn't well, it? not that much more maturity. Otherwise he wouldn't have taken him to task like that. Yeah, well, that's true. Knowing that he had done it to plenty of other drivers. That is true. Anyway. Okay. Let's not make this into a formula one <laughs> podcast, but uh, anyway, so and he's um, got a very naff yeah, moustache, not mm -hmm. like yours, Jeff. <laughs> he's like one of got these pencil thin moustaches. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, okay. Uh, let's see. So my good friend Daniel Schmukowski, uh, and and we go back a long way, back from my um, Catholic podcasting network days. Uh, Dan um, has started a podcast called the uh, Special Olympics. Pod, well, no, I'm sorry, Special Chronicles. Uh, it's a Special Olympics podcast. And uh, he has always been keen to aviation. In fact, he is one of the uh, uh, representatives. Of, I forgot the exact uh, name. I think he's um, ambassador. An, an ambassador at United Airlines, uh, a Special Olympics ambassador. And so he's like a big deal out there in the Special Olympics world. 
And uh, he contacted me and let me know that he, uh, and I, this is not the first time that he has interviewed the uh, chief executive officer of United Airlines, Oscar uh, Munoz. 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 And uh, so let me just play just a little bit of this. This next hour of this podcast. So please put your virtual hands together as we go behind the scenes with the CEO who led United Airlines. Remarkable turnaround as we welcome back, Oscar, to the Special Chronicles show on specialchronicles.com. Welcome back, Oscar. They're on a first-name ha- uh, first basis. That's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Huh? Uh, so anyway, I'm going to put a link in the show notes so you can check out uh, Daniel Schmakowski's um, Special Chronicles podcast and his interview with uh, the CEO of United Airlines. So, um, very uh, very proud of Daniel. He's a he's a great podcaster out there, and he's been around doing this for um, as long as I have, or probably longer. Actually, that's great. Oh, so, brilliant! Yeah. Oh, wow. Um, so I told him I'd mention that. So is he old like you are? No, he's not an old guy. He's a much younger person <laughs> than I am. <laughs> Yeah, so um, he's a he's a really nice guy. I've met him on a few back in the day uh, when we used to do these um, annual um, uh, new media uh, conventions and that kind of thing. We got a chance to meet each other in person. And uh, uh, anyway, way to go, Daniel. Um, let's see. And we, I think Steph mentioned something that I was going to talk about that uh, PTUK APG meetup in um, in Charlotte on the. Uh, I think she said the 19th, I think, of May. Yep, a week from a today. Friday, uh, two the 19th. Weeks from today. And at the Noda Brewing Company, uh, the North End location. And um, I don't, Liz, did I, I don't think I mentioned it on the show last week. Maybe I did that I was going to do a spot for uh, the Weather Channel. Uh, you did a couple of weeks ago. Okay, a couple of weeks ago I mentioned but, it. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so oh. the way it was presented to me, the uh, booker said something about, you know, dangerous airports in regard to, uh, you know, like inclement weather, that kind of, I guess it's the weather channel, of course. Challenging airports. Yeah, challenging airports, whatever. And uh, so I prepared this list of five airports and they were all worldwide airports, none of them in the United States. And I even took the time and and more importantly, Captain Al over there in uh, England or the UK, I guess he lives in England, doesn't he? Not, I know yes, he's from yep. Wales originally, but anyway. United Kingdom. Not um, sure which side of the border he is, actually. Yeah, it's um, pretty close, though, to probably. Yeah, he's right on the border. Yeah. And uh, so I asked him, because a couple of the locations that I came up with that I thought would be interesting to talk about on that little segment were um, Gibraltar and uh, Madeira, uh, one of the uh, archipelagos of uh, Portugal. And uh, so we... I spent probably more than an hour, hour and a half maybe of his time on a Sunday afternoon and talked a lot about and gave me all these charts and everything else and told me about the, uh, you know, the experience of flying into Gibraltar and uh, Madeira. And uh, then after all of that, then the next day or two, uh, just a couple of days before the segment, um, you know, he said, yeah, well, do you have any, do you have your list of the five U.S. airports, dangerous airports or challenging airports? I went. U.S. <laughs> I, I mean, I gave the list of the airports like several days before, and uh, apparently um, that wasn't what they were looking for. So I thought, huh, okay, um, that's not going to work. Briefing, yeah. And I feel so bad because you know Captain Al took all that time to talk to me. It was nice talking with him about the two airports, but you know, anyway. 
I then I also about that same time realized that I needed to pick up some more flying at the end of the month uh, there. So uh, I basically told the booker, yeah, I'm not going to be able to do the thing on Friday. And uh, can we do it the following week? And then he said, uh, well, do you have anybody that's media savvy that might be able to you know, like take your place? And uh, so I recommended uh, Armando from the PTUK podcast and, um, and, and, uh, gave him Armando's information and all that kind of stuff. And, and then Armando said, yeah, nobody ever contacted me. And so I finally followed up and found out that, uh, uh, the booker that I was working with, um, got called out on some kind of a, a last minute trip, a work related trip. And, uh, he passed on this spot, the segment coordination and everything else to another person. And, uh, they ended up using a guy out in, uh, uh, Los Angeles air, uh, area, younger guy, another airline pilot. Um, I'm, I don't know if you, I'm not sure, but I'm guessing he probably works for Southwest. Uh, really good job, by the way. I think it was Gary Baumgartner or something like that. But anyway, very nice job and a good choice and all that kind of stuff. Do you remember but, any of the airports? Uh, you talked the about? airports that they talked about Liz were, um, Key West, uh, mm. DCA, um, what else? I, those are the two that I remember okay. right off the bat. Thanks, yeah. But they were there were mostly airports that had kind of short runways. Um, right. That was a common theme, and um, you know, weather just makes things more challenging when, especially you know, winds and you know, convective activity and that kind of thing. But anyway, did a great job. I was listening to that segment as I was I was driving to Atlanta International for a trip that I had picked up. So anyway. You're um, very magnanimous, uh, Jeff. Like, oh, I would have liked to have heard heard Armando do that. For yeah, sure. I know. I just, I, I just love spreading the wealth out here. I'm thinking, you know, like, okay, it'd be kind of <laughs> yeah. fun to, you know, say I was on the Weather Channel, but I've already done a Weather Channel spot a, few, a couple of years back, and that's why the guy remembered me and called me back. But I'm thinking, you know, it, it's it's not a big deal for me, really, and uh, I just enjoy what we're doing here on the show and. Uh, you know, kind of conversing with my best friends, co-hosts, and uh, working with the live chat room and live audience and everything else. And um, yeah, so I thought, I don't know, what's, what's really in it for me? <laughs> so just, you know, like time and effort trying to figure out what I'm going to say and not sound, sound stupid. And uh, yeah, so I decided, yeah, I'm just going to go ahead and get some more, more time and uh, spread the wealth, as, as they say. So you're and, very kind. Well, and there, and you know what, honestly, the people out there would do a better job than me anyway. So you yeah, know. I don't agree with that. Anyway, don't believe you. No. Oh, anyway. Um, and that's, I think, so I did a two day trip, um, Monday, Tuesday and overnight in, uh, white plains. Uh, didn't get a chance to see uh, radio Roger. Uh, I think I was still busy trying to get out the last episode. <laughs> and then, uh, here I am in uh, beautiful Burlington, Vermont, on uh what's this lake liz lake champlain lake, lake champlain you know i was very um uh, i was i misunderstood the whole thing i kept walking around today trying to find the champagne um but apparently that's uh the wrong <laughs> that was where word. you were in illinois remember you oh, made that's that right. funny in remark illinois, that was champlain and yeah. uh, champagne illinois. anyway um no i've been uh here in the room other than going out and grabbing some really good breakfast from a little diner here um prepping for the show today. I know and it doesn't early show start tomorrow. that, uh, and a, a very early flight in the morning, uh, but flew in late last night after doing a Columbia, South Carolina turn. 
And, uh, you know, uh, it's nice having the whole day off here today. And sadly, uh, it would have been nice to spend a little bit more time outside here because this is the first time I've been to Burlington where it's been like decent weather, um, not raining or not snowing and temperature about 60 degrees, about 50, or else it would have about 12, 15, 15, 16 degrees uh, uh, Celsius. Anyway, beautiful here. Oh, we have had some good weather here. Eighteen degrees centigrade. Had oh. the reef down. Nice yeah. driving around. Yeah, mid sixties. Looking 60s. like Lord Mark. Yeah, look at that. Yeah. So, um, you heading uh, with the uh, little Audi with the top off to the coronation tomorrow? <laughs> no, <laughs> no, no. I'm going to sit and watch it on telly. Ah, uh, probably a better, yeah, better way too. to view it anyway. Yeah. Right? All right. Coffee uh, fund. Yeah. All right. It's coffee fun time, and I have a feeling that this is probably not going to work either, but let's give it a shot see what happens. Hey. There you go. It works. Yeah. Oh, but it's not the one where he says, how about a cup of coffee? No, thanks. I love coffee. I love tea. I love the APG community. Coffee and tea. And the Java and me, a cup, a cup, a cup, a cup, a cup. Oh yeah, yeah. coffee fund. That's the way that your way to support the show financially, if you have the resources to do so. If you're saving up your money for like food and clothing and shelter and flying lessons, stuff. don't send stuff to us. We're fine. But if you have some extra cash in the pocket and you want to spend it on something, consider spending it on the airline pilot guy show. Would appreciate that. Uh, a couple of different ways you can do that. Uh, the airline pilot guy classic or the coffee fund classic method. Uh, we had, uh, you, Eugene or Eugene, I'm thinking Eugene. Eugene, Hurt. I think, uh, looks like a good German name. Who right? also sent some feedback in. So that's- oh, we also sent some feedback in. Excellent. Okay. Send us a nice, uh, donation. And just to be clear, you don't have to send a donation or contribution to the coffee fund to get your uh, feedback read on the show. It doesn't hurt. No. no just it has nothing to do with it. So thank you, Eugene, for supporting the show. The other way to do that is to become a patron of the show via patreon.com. And uh, we have Julia, who uh, is a, one of our producers, has been for a while. She bumped it up. She tripled her uh, donation <laughs> from $1 to $3 per creation per episode thank you julia you're awesome as are all of the folks who are patrons and coffee bar uh club members Members, we do appreciate that and uh, if you're interested in learning about how you can become part of this great group of folks you can find that information at airlinepilotguy.com slash coffee you'll be glad you did and we will too Captain, incoming message. Thank you. All right, Brian sent us some feedback, and he said, I wanted to give feedback on the APG 565. Oh, that's a pretty little picture you have up there, Liz. Oh, that looks Doesn't nice. That, look yummy? Yeah. Yeah. that was one of my favorite breakfasts mm-hmm. in New York. Was, was, uh, was poppy seed. Bagel uh, with cream cheese and tomato. Ba- bagels. Yum. Mm. yum, yum, yum. Okay. Um, well, I'm prefer, I prefer bagels with everything, but um, yeah, me too. I'm a sesame seed person. So. But you know, it's a it's applying the picture to the well. You understand. 
story. Poppy, so you get the story. Here we go. Um, wanted to get feedback on APG 565 and the comments on pop, poppy seed causing false positives in drug tests. I work in the oil and gas industry, and we have to take a drug test to enter oil refineries and chemical plants. Really? Every time? Or maybe it's just Is every that so to often. make sure you've got some in your system or not got <laughs> maybe. some in your system? I'm not sure. <laughs> I personally know two people that had pulse positives. No, false <laughs> positives on drug tests due to having ingested. You know that's called a spoonerism, don't you? Well, I do now. Uh, due to yeah, having Jim's named after Doctor Spooner, a famous professor who, I, whether it's Oxford or Cambridge University, I can't remember, but uh, he was famous for reversing um, his words like that. Well, let's just talk about that then. That's more interesting. Yeah, no, it's not. Do carry on. Oh, okay. <laughs> Are you sure? Let me have a few <laughs> yeah, more sips sure. of this beer. I'm sure. <laughs> sure. Well, if you Are drink you sure? enough, you'll stop doing it. You say you probably need to open <laughs> another one. Okay. Um, going back to the feedback from Brian uh, from Katy, Texas. I personally know two people that have had false positives on drug tests due to having ingested poppy seeds prior to the test. So it is a real thing and not just in the military. By the way, I've been listening to you since the Catholic weekend days, probably 2008, maybe 2007, even before Catholic pilot, Brian from Katy, Texas. Now, I'm not sure, Brian, I think that, but I'm pretty sure that I started Catholic weekend about the same time I did Catholic pilot back in 2009. I could be wrong and, you know, just ask, ask my ex-wife. I'm probably wrong. Um, all right. Um, <laughs> but thank you for very, very much for, for, for that. And uh, thank you for being a longtime listener, Brian. Um, and I, I remember you from even the early days. I don't think we've met each other in person, but uh, you've always been there. And I do appreciate that. And we all do now. Yeah. But the question is how – how much do you trust the two people who claim that they've ingested poppy seeds and therefore failed their tests? Or did they just fail their tests? Well, that's true. Maybe they're just saying that they ingested poppy seeds as an excuse. <laughs> yeah, yeah it's right. possible. I mean, I do remember, you know, when we, you know, we, we are subjected to drug testing in this world of airline piloting. And uh, I've had a, a few over my years. Um, but... I think I remember early on that they were very, you know, the, the poppy seed thing was like, like a big deal. Uh, but it seems like in recent years that they didn't put a lot of emphasis on it. I don't know if it's because the tests they're using on us in the airline industry have been kind of tweaked to like not give you false positives for poppy seeds. I want to allow you to take more drugs. Or to take more drugs, which is an important thing. <laughs> I mean, we were much more relaxed. Um, well, yeah, yeah. We all want like a relaxed pilot. You do great landings when you're relaxed. Uh, uh, that's what when they you say. Tense up. You yeah. do. Yeah. And I don't know. Yeah. It really helps with the paranoia and schizophrenia. And all <laughs> um, just kidding, of course. Can you tell I'm getting close to retirement? I'm I'm not really yeah, very close. Worried. You're very, you're very <laughs> loose. <laughs> oh, really? You want me to stop flying? Okay. <laughs> yes. Just uh, give me some more poppy seeds. Just, yeah, dead, more just dead, home, dead head me home tomorrow morning, and I'll just call it call it a day, call it a year, yeah. call it a career. Yeah. There you go. Um, 
Anyway, let's move on to uh, this one, item four from Donica. Uh, Biden's pilots are drunk? Oh, this kind of goes along with the whole theme of drug testing and alcohol. Oh, excellent. Uh, My name is Donica, which is spelled really, really weird. D-O-N-N-C-H-A-D-H from Ireland. Gaelic. Gaelic spelled. Gaelic. Okay. Thank you, Um, Donica. Uh, That's really cool. Thank you for the uh, phonetic spelling. Uh, he's from Ireland. Last week, uh, President Biden was in town, and he flew from Dublin to Mayo, I guess. Mayo, yeah. Uh, I looked up the plane. Is that on, short for mayonnaise? I think so. Yeah, that's where we get mayonnaise, okay. right? From uh, Ireland? Yeah. No, right. I don't have any right. idea of what I'm saying here. Uh, is that true? Maybe it's no. true. No, it's not no. true. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> How about the Mayo Clinic? I bet that has something, some connection. Maybe. Oh, that says lots of mayonnaise in there. Uh, I don't yeah, know. If you eat too much mayonnaise, you go there. <laughs> well, yeah. If you if you end up eating way too much mayonnaise, then you should. You have to go to the Mayo Clinic to get worked on. That's true. <laughs> I, I like this. Uh, they've got all the. Uh, company symbols beside the airplanes <laughs> you're jumping so you're jumping got... the shark man hang on okay. um so he looked up the plane on flight radar 24 his pilots took a very interesting route and they says see attached image uh, which we're looking at right now on the uh on the video version of the show and uh should yeah, be in your on your show it's like they right traced now. out a mola yeah it's yeah <laughs> kind of an interesting flight path any uh of the crew into insight for this uh, it's being direct would be predictable. Also, why low altitude could be it was a short flight. Yeah, it was a short flight, relatively speaking. Wow. Altitude was 12,000 feet, at least at the time of the screenshot. Um, and it was an unusual flight path. Uh, it's kind of a squiggly flight path. And I don't, what, what's your thought, uh, Captain? Uh, my thought is uh, when the president goes from A to B, uh, it's all based on his arrival time at the destination, and he, his pilots will have to achieve a, a sort of doors open time, uh, plus or minus, you know, seconds. Uh, so they will be quite used to uh, getting airborne probably a little early, uh, so that uh, they're never late. Uh, but if um, they lose some time en route by doing a few, you know, just turn away and turn back until they can guarantee that they'll land and taxi in at the correct time. I suspect it's all a well-oiled machine on that flight deck to ensure they don't land early and embarrass people because there's they're still rolling out the red carpet and all the snipers are still having a sandwich rather than being ready to pick off the terrorists that are possibly going to attack. So uh, as regards the height, yeah, I think that's just, you know, what's the point going up higher when, uh, you know, you can do it from a, a medium altitude. Uh, I don't see any reason but for that, but uh, that would be my thought. Okay, so that sounds somewhat reasonable, but then why not just wait to take off at whatever time and then just go do his- Oh, just in case something happens and you get delayed on the ground at your at your takeoff point because you can't make up much time mm. on route. So it's better to get airborne and then you're in control of the timing. Uh, I if I was on a going to strike a target, uh, you know you'd you'd get it ready on the ground and you would get airborne with a little bit of time in hand so that you could um, you know perhaps avoid some. Uh, 
enemy aircraft or whatever, you wouldn't end up having to beetle along at 600 knots trying to make up time so you got your bomb off on time or were still late. So you weren't allowed to drop it. But um, no, I, I think that's a reason. And, and there may be airspace restrictions we don't know about. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm really looking at the um, the funny um, droopy bit in the middle of his flight just before he starts the approach, mm-hmm. thinking he's a little early there. So he's gone south for two or three minutes and then north for two or three minutes just to lose a little bit of time so that he can, you know, Get closer to his arrival time. I, I kind of thought maybe it had something to do with the fact that there were we're seeing other flights that are overflying the area at the time. Many of them Delta flights, and they're probably thinking we need to get out of their way because they could crash yeah. right into <laughs> well, us. Well, that's part of it. Except that uh, if this follows the the normal procedure we would have in the United Kingdom, bearing in mind this is Southern Ireland, um, th- that flight would have purple airspace um, significance. So a purple airspace would be a moving block of airspace around the aircraft a bit. So a a section of airway or a whole area can be blocked off and no one else is allowed to go into that particular bit of airspace. It's like a moving danger area around Mm. an aircraft of significance. And it was specifically for the royal family in the United Kingdom. Mm. So uh, I'm assuming they have a similar procedure in Ireland. All right. Mm. So basically what we're telling you is we have really we don't have a no idea why. No. Well, I'm guessing. I have noticed there's a nice Virgin Atlantic uh, airplane there as well, though. Mm. Uh, Which one? That was da- danger, danger. Uh, down the bottom, in between the Air Canada and the Delta. Uh, oh, I see the Virgin. It's a Virgin uh, Atlantic. Huh. Nice. And there's a cunning Lingus flight a bit hmm. further north. <laughs> Very cunning. We've got a possible yeah, show title you. here. <laughs> Cinco, Cinco de Mayonnaise. Cinco de Mayonnaise. Flying possible show title. Oh, that's right. Happy Cinco de Mayo, which is something that I think only the – they don't do that in Canada, do they, Liz? No. Well, they no. – Well, kind it's, of. It's, we, we do it on the APG. It. I've it's done a Cinco, Cinco de Caravan. Cinco de Caravan, yeah, yeah last year. Um, yeah. Five <laughs> Cinco de Mayo, which yeah, was like previous. a very insignificant thing that happened – in it's Monterey, I think, Mexico oh, or something like that. Yeah, well done. Yeah, APG five twenty. It's an yeah, excuse to drink margaritas. And um, but yeah, it's just an excuse to drink margaritas and eat tacos. But I mean, do you really need an excuse? No, 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 no I can't think of anything nicer. Actually, I love tacos. Mm. Yeah, me too. And I'm pretty fond of margaritas too. Yeah, oh yeah, we, we know that. Now. <laughs> yeah. Let's pack it in and go eat some tacos. And I should. Yeah. Let's just end the show then. I'm. I'm thinking. I'm going to go out and try to find some tacos. And uh, <laughs> Good let me idea. do some. I'll do some googling in Burlington. Uh, okay. Thanks, Liz. She's going to Google it for me and see where. I, actually, I've already done that. <laughs> oh. <sighs> anyway, let's uh, continue, shall we? Uh, with yeah. this feedback from. Uh, Teclas, Texas and La Shock. Tackless. Tackless, shocking and there's a video involved. There's a video involved. Yes, there is, Liz. Oh, no, really? <laughs> yeah, let me, uh, uh, let me load that up. You know, a professional podcaster would have already. Oh, yeah. Had, well, uh, it's a good job you're, uh, a highly qualified amateur. <laughs> yes. I think it's just on the same street as your diner. There's a place. 
Yeah, it was just, uh, yeah, Taqueria. right down the street yeah. from that diner that I had nice. breakfast at. I saw that, too. Okay, uh, what's the one I'm trying to load here, Liz? Uh, it's about the uh, baggage. While you're doing that, I need to mention that's my house behind me now. Oh, look at that. Coronation Union Jack flying on the scaffolding they've put up around the chimney. <laughs> is that is that the... Uh, side of the house what side is that the back what is that well, i'm at? taking the picture from the front of the house okay okay that's in the oh so i see that, that like is right next to your right ear is where i usually uh, sleep when i'm there yes uh yes <laughs> you do you sleep stairs, in yeah. that window there so <laughs> the chimney that would have fallen onto your bedroom let me, let me tell you when, soon you, be... when you try to sleep in uh captain nick's right ear it's not a lot of room <laughs> At all. It's a, a YouTube uh, video, you, but... Uh, it doesn't work very well, so you're not going to have a quiet night. Mm-hmm. No, <laughs> I'm sorry, Liz. I don't know which video I'm looking for. Is it the Dra- Drakenfell? Oh, yeah, that's right. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Drakenfell? Is that how you pronounce yeah, that? Yeah, I uh, really... It's sort of over my head here. Yeah. Well, everything is, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> okay. I got it. I got it ready to go. Got ready to go. Okay. Do you want to do a little bit of reading on the... Yeah, I gotta do, I'm going to do some reading now. Yeah. All right. This feedback from Texas and Lashok. The baggage cart reminded me. Greetings, all. The anecdote about the runway baggage cart brought something to mind. Recently, Drakenfell, who I've shared things from a couple of times before, gave a presentation aboard the battleship New Jersey, and during the Q&A portion, he mentioned something he saw at some point. I tried to find the actual video he was referring to, but was unable, but I provided the timestamp of the portion in question. You'll know why I was reminded of this when you watch. Okay, so what I have to do is I have to cue this up to 4640. See, I did a little bit of prep work. See, yeah, impressive. Impressive. There. Okay, so I'm going to have to actually uh, let's see if I can do it. What does it say? What's the timestamp? 40, 4640. 4640. Okay. Uh, okay, there's 4630. I'm going to add to the, the screen. <laughs> okay, uh, so okay. I think this is uh, on board this battleship. And this guy I, um, is very knowledgeable about things having to do with maritime naval things stuff um, uh, although i'm it's a, a little bit questionable because the guy has an english accent i believe um but um he is taking questions from the uh, audience and answering them so uh, let me make sure that i pop it up to right where he starts talking about what texas and Lashok wants us to hear okay here we go yeah. Mm. Mind you, actually, speaking of ships going into high-speed turns, most of you are probably seeing that footage of um, Enterprise doing a high-speed turns, <laughs> where the crew are kind of walking uphill to get get to the uh, various ships. Um, I recently came across some footage of, I think it, it was a Nimitz class of some kind doing a high-speed turn, um, and the particular video I saw was it was titled um, "I Bet You Someone's Heart Was in Their Mouth." And it wasn't so much because of the turn. I mean, okay, a 100,000-ton ship that's tilting over at 30 degrees is pretty impressive. The more impressive thing was there was an FA-18 on deck, and about halfway through the turn, you see it start to roll. (laughs) 
and then you see a guy in a very high vis high vis set of gear chasing it down down the slope. Yeah, well, I think it's more than his pay's worth to let that go over the side. Oh God! Yeah, it was that. It was that kind of. It was that run of a desperate man who who knows it's worth more than his life to to let it happen. So, uh, fortunately, at that point, the ship starts evening out and the thing coasts to a gentle halt before going over the side. Okay, I think that's Very the scary. clip that he wanted mm -hmm. us to play, and it that's was, yeah. a very funny anecdote. Um, the FA eighteen. Like, just like heading down, like it's going to go right off the side of the. Well, you ship. guys have so many, you can probably afford to throw a few off the side of yeah, the ship whatever. without That's even just... noticing. Yeah. Pull up yeah. another one. Yeah, <laughs> didn't you start off with 120 of these things? I only count 112 now. <laughs> I oh, don't well, some know. of them fell over the board. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you'd just lose that in the accounting system, wouldn't you? You just yeah. oh, I'm not even sure that the I'll accounting just, system would even pick it up. It's a big navy. Yeah, we'll turn that navy. seven into a one, and then we'll <laughs> account for a few more. What was that splash? I don't know. Let's not let's not <laughs> dwell on that. <laughs> Probably a whale, absolutely, or something. Uh, yeah, yeah, but you know the navy anyway. They really don't care about airplanes. <laughs> um, well, they do. They treat them as disposable items. Yeah, which. You know, if you want to, you know, be serious about military flying, Air Force all the way. All right. Uh, the yeah, uh, He continues. The rest. <laughs> well, I guess the kind of words you vote now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. They know I'm kidding. I mean, I think some of the best pilots I've ever flown with were not Navy pilots. Um, let's continue with the rest of the video comprises of Drax analysis of why HMS Hood exploded, other naval discussion, and the museum curator, uh, Ryan Samansky, talking about battleship chairs, which cost $1,300, weigh seven pounds, and will last 150 years. How, how much is that per year? 1300 divided by 150. Somebody tell me. Uh, the uh, manufacturer... That's pretty cheap, if you ask me. Yeah, I mean, I'm sitting in a because I've got such a bad back. It's it's taken me years to find a chair that well, I can actually sit in for any length of time, and it cost me more than that. Doesn't weigh seven pounds. Oh, it might weigh seven pounds. Actually, I don't. I doubt it'll last 150 years. Eight dollars and sixty-seven cents per year. That's pretty good value, right there. That, that is cheap. Yeah, Although absolutely. I would say that probably most of us wouldn't be able to enjoy the entire lifespan of the chair. 150 years. No, I, it, I, yeah, it'd be, it'd be nice to sit in it just for two or three years as the captain, though, wouldn't it? Yeah, it would. Um, I actually did look up yeah. this company, uh, which they talk about in uh, as the video goes on, and the guy talks about these chairs, which is very interesting. Um, and it's still a company in Pennsylvania that's still making these chairs, but they're not cheap. They're not 1300 Well, I think some of them are actually $1,300. I would imagine that the U.S. Navy didn't pay that much per chair especially back in world war ii but um anyway very interesting stuff about chairs on ships in the u.s navy all right so anyway he said uh, just something that got pulled to mind this is texas and Lashark signing off all right um he says i don't usually offer episode title suggestions based on my feedback but I thought of this, and the Monty Python-esque sound of it made me chuckling. 
chuckle for a good while. Uh, the department of throwing chairs out of windows or, or <laughs> alternatively keep those hornets rolling or rockin' rolling F-18s. I like the department of throwing chairs out of windows. Do we need to talk about it a little bit longer for it to qualify as a show title, Liz? I think yeah, it's good. You've done that. It's possible. Fine. It's a, it's a possibility. Yeah. It's a yeah. Okay. Let's continue with uh, six from uh, Tim Q in Arkansas. Uh, just Kansas or Kansas. I'm sorry. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, I, think. I should think so. Just wondering when someone says they're. Uh, in- are you familiar with the character Q in Star Trek? Yes. I didn't know his first name was Tim. Ah. Uh. Oh. Oh. It's not. All right, let's uh, continue <laughs> with Tim Q in Arkansas. Just wondering, when someone says they're a longtime listener, couldn't that mean just one whole episode? Uh, <laughs> Rim shot. That made beer Okay, that's a good one, Tim. I was very good. Very I was good, listening yeah. to uh, yeah. yes. I yes, it could be. Yeah, I was listening to APG five six five, and Liz talked a little bit about her background, and it made me realize how much my involvement enjoyment uh, in the show has changed since I started listening. When I first started back in 2018, 2019, I just wanted to hear the news and maybe some feedback if I saw something that was of interest to me. Most of the time. I'd listen to the news section and be done uh, to move on to another podcast. Thankfully, he doesn't tell us which one because that would make us very sad if he told us. Over time, I eventually realized I should be listening to The Plain Tales, too, as that guy did an amazing job telling the stories. Then it moved on to the feedback and eventually the getting to know us segment, and I find myself looking forward to that segment as much or more than any other segment except The Plain Tales, admittedly. Well, Tim, you know, oh, well, it occurred to me listening to Liz that one of my favorite things is listening to any of you tell some of the stories of your own lives, things you've experienced that sometimes the sometimes funny, sometimes serious events that have come up through flying or any other aspect of your lives. Perhaps that's why Captain Nick's RAF forms plane tales are so popular. It's not just hearing about some event out in the ether but listening to someone who lived it hearing the emotions in his voice as he recounts them it's the life of someone that we i assume care care about (laughs) it's the life of someone that we i assume care about and it lets those of us who don't have those experiences to enjoy them and get invited a little closer to him it's actually true for any of the personal stories you all tell and even though Liz said she doesn't feel like she, uh, she said she felt like she doesn't have a lot to contribute to the show because she doesn't have an aviation background, I'll have to disagree with her. Working backstage in the show that I used to help with, I know how much work goes on behind the scenes to make things appear to run as mm-hmm. smoothly as Thanks, they do. Tim. So listening to her step in front of the camera and sharing some of her history was amazing also. I don't blame her for not wanting to be in the forefront. I enjoy being behind the scenes also, but just wanted to let her know that all of her hard work is definitely appreciated and doesn't go unnoticed. So true. Thank you, Tim. Tim, Absolutely. She's she's thanking you, Tim, which you'll probably hear on the audio Mm -hmm. 
podcast. Yeah, a vital part of the show nowadays, since you don't seem to do any work. <laughs> <laughs> I love you too. Yeah. Uh, so true. Yeah. <laughs> he's not having that chimney fixed. He's having it so. Right. He's on wind down, <laughs> isn't he? Yeah, I really hope that that chimney doesn't fall on your head tonight. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that was lovely, Tim. Anyway, uh, going back to Tim, Air Venture is definitely coming up soon. Uh, I'm imagining there won't be many from the crew that uh, there this year, but I did want to check, and I'm kind of curious who all in the community is going to be there. Our plan is to be there Thursday through Saturday and would be honored to meet anyone from the community who is also there. I'm no good at organizing anything like that, but if anyone wants to meet up at some point, let's do that. Liz, feel free to share my number or email if there are any takers. Be nice to put a face to some of the voices I hear. Thanks so much for continuing to lead such an amazing community of av geeks and making us feel a part. Tim. And he says, my apologies for being a bit long this time. Wow, never thought I'd get to say that. <laughs> That's what she Absolutely. said. I always like to feel a part. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which part? <laughs> <laughs> Now, Tim, honestly, I, I still remember I, the time, the first time that I remember meeting you was at Oshkosh back in 2019 when we went to the seaplane base and you went over with us on that bus. Oh, yeah. I remember and, that. Uh, it was great. R really nice to meet you for the first time and getting to hear about, you know, your background and your stories and why you were, you know, what if you hit your head against something and that's why you're listening to our show and you know, whatever it is that you know, <laughs> compels you to do this. But anyway, really nice. And and I've had the opportunity to meet up with Tim a couple of times since then. And uh, bright guy and uh, just another, you know, representation of the just amazing people that are part of our community. And um, thank you for sharing that with me uh, or with us uh, regarding, you know, yeah, and your, everybody your listens. kind words actually uh, very touching. Thank you. Everybody listens to the show a different way. I mean, that's the beauty of podcasting. You know, you don't have to, you don't have to listen to the show from the beginning to the end. And and I get you know like listening to certain parts because there are certain podcasts I listen to, and I I like this part of the show, and then I kind of don't really think about listening to anything else. But uh, it's kind of cool to hear the evolution in your listening habits. And uh, yeah, and. Thanks for the nice, kind words, uh, especially for Liz, because she does a, a, an amazing amount of work in the background, mostly just saying snarky things to me and, yep. you know, trying to make me feel <laughs> bad. My role in life. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, well, and then, of course, Captain, Does she succeed? Yes, she does. And Captain Nick, <laughs> okay. you know, obviously, uh, you just put that in there because you feel sorry for him. And uh, yeah. I understand that, too. <laughs> yeah, I, I can understand that. I, you know, I need your sympathy. <laughs> Now, yeah. with my new glasses. Before oh, yeah. you move on, can oh, we just have a little confab here? Let's move so, on, yes. Yeah. So we're between the two and two and a half They're rose tinted, mark. by the way. Um, do you, Even Jeff looks Rose-colored glasses, you're, I see you're using. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah, Liz yeah, is trying to say something to me, too. like logistically for like planning and like. Well, you wanted to sort okay. of curtail well, things a bit here. Since this show is rarely planned. And we're. <laughs> Yeah. Between the two and two. What's she doing that for? <laughs> Nick, would you shut up for a second so I can hear what she's saying to me? <laughs> Go ahead, Liz. 
We're now between two and yeah. two and a half hours yeah. in terms of running time. Okay. Do you want to start like figuring out if we're going to, how much more we're going to cover? Like, yeah. or yeah. What do you want to do? Or... <laughs> like, do you want to just I know. The... He doesn't shut up. He just, <laughs> like, come on. How needy. <laughs> Yes. I get bored. <laughs> I've got a low attention span. I know you do. <laughs> That's true. Um, so so we, we were talking about this is probably not something or a heck hell, I might be I might put this in the regular show. I don't know. Um talking about maybe trying to make the show a little bit shorter than three hours every week, like maybe two, two and a half hours, something like that. And she was asking if I thought maybe we should start trying to make it a little bit shorter, uh, starting with this show. What do you think about that, Nick? You mean she's bored already? No, I, I can yeah, go for hours. She is. She has fallen asleep a couple of times. I've heard her actually keel over and hit the floor. <laughs> you could hear her snoring. Yeah. Or is that Poppy? And Poppy like kind of yelps a little bit when she falls on top of you yeah. or her. I'm sorry. Um, but, uh, yeah, let's, Let's don't make this a super long show. Let's make okay, this. Okay, uh, so let's just. Yeah. Wh- what do you think about just doing the flight sim ones and then? Well, okay. it's just that we've got feedback here from pe- people who want to hear what. Ah, screw you know, them. They're, they're, <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll get to it. They're not going to get lost. <laughs> they're, 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 they're not you? going to. We're not. We're going to do their feedback. It's just that we might be not on this show, but on another show. Um, God, so full coffee fund is going to take <laughs> such a hit this week. Basically, we don't care about your feedback. That's what we're saying. <laughs> no. Um, no, I'm just kidding. I um, do. I do. Uh, you know what? Nick is now making me feel bad about that decision. But <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. What do you think, Liz? It's up to you guys. Let's I don't do, care. Let's do three more, at least. <laughs> Let, well, so we were do, thinking, do, oh yeah, at least no, three. Let, I'm, we were thinking about doing. Do, okay, so here we go. Uh, I'm going to uh, make a command 11? decision, which I don't usually do very often. Um, we're going to talk. We talked about uh, somebody had asked about flight simming software and preparing for, you know, various uh, tests or certificates or licenses oh, yeah, yeah, and that kind yeah. of thing. And any as, use for you? So this professional it, pilot. It takes a while for people, you know, to list, kind of get caught up with our show because it's so long. Um, to like finally listen to the point where they, hey, I can say something. I can send them feedback regarding this. This is something I know something about. And so now we're finally getting to that point where people are kind of responding to, you know. Advice. Well, we've had some previous feedback. responses, and now we've got we have more, more. had some previous responses to this, but we have some more, and uh, we have I think three or four, four. Um, responses regarding uh, that. So Starting we're going to jump to that, and then we have 11. some more time, and we feel like doing some more. We'll do that, but we're going to jump to which one? Eleven. Eleven. Thank you, Liz. I'm there. All right. Uh, this is from Chris, and he says, "Hi, airline pilot crew." Uh, I'm a, now let's get rid of this one because he didn't even use the right name for our podcast. So let's get to the next one. (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. Um, hi, airline pilot guy crew. I'm a longtime listener since the Catholic pilot days, a private pilot in the Atlanta area and an avid flight simmer myself, as it is a good way to stay abreast of basic procedural knowledge and airmanship. 
when one cannot afford to fly as often as they would like. It's my opinion that home flight simulators help with procedural and emergency skills and knowledge airmanship when you can simulate ATC, etc., and keeping up with one's in general interest in aviation if one is not a professional pilot. I've been using virtual reality for about four years, and it's very helpful. Uh, although it appears blurry at times, depending on how fast your graphics card is, it's very immersive and realistic. You cannot see your hands manipulating the controls, so that takes some getting used to. And finally, as a personal preference, I like X-Plane as opposed to Microsoft Simulator. Uh, X-Plane does a really good job of mimicking the aerodynamics of the actual airplane, whereas Microsoft Flight Simulator does not feel as realistic. However, others out there may prefer Microsoft Simulator as this is all about personal preference. Some would say that Microsoft Simulator has been uh, has better graphics of the terrain, etc. Anyways, I hope that this feedback helps. Keep up the great work and tailwinds, except when landing. And Chris, he's a 172 driver in Northwest Atlanta. Thank you, Chris. And by the way, I do intend to, at some point, hopefully soon, uh, do another big uh, Atlanta meetup because I know I have a lot of uh, we have a lot of people there in the Atlanta area. Uh, so thank oh, absolutely. You. The, the meetup I came to uh, back in the day, mm -hmm. I really enjoyed that. You remember the one on the side of the airfield when there yeah. was a biplane? Yeah, yeah that um, was good. At, at Petri de Cab, and it was the uh, 57th Fighter Group, I think. That, um, yeah, that's right. The yeah. restaurant themed World War II right. uh, stuff everywhere. It was brilliant. Great. Anyway, yeah. um, I agree 100%, uh, Chris. Uh, I think you can get a lot out of. Uh, uh, using a flight simulator program. Um, uh, and in particular, if you're interested in brushing up your um, checklist skills, procedural knowledge, yes, that's fantastic. Instrument flying, brilliant. Um, airmanship is an interesting one because it's hard to define airmanship. It's a quality you have as a pilot that encompasses a lot. Uh, and um, you you gain it through, I think, through experience. It's not something you can necessarily be taught by the numbers. Airmanship is that ability to imagine what's happening around you, to uh, know the correct uh, course of action, to handle your airplane in an appropriate manner. That That is an all-encompassing thing. But other people have different ideas of what airmanship is. I'm not so sure that you can really put learn airmanship from a flight simulator program, but uh, I'm going to defer to you because I don't use flight sim. Or I used to in the old days, but uh, I don't can't tend to use it nowadays. But uh, as regards all the rest of your points, I like them very much indeed. I think uh, you uh, you're quite right. I'd love to experience a VR headset and see what it's mm -hmm. like. Uh, because one of the drawbacks of you know just having a single screen computer is that you don't really get that um, that feeling of being in the aircraft and being able to look around, which I think would be fantastic with a VR mm -hmm. headset. Um, Unless you have like a multiple that, monitor setup, you know, whatever. But that gets pretty well, expensive. Yeah, you know, something like that. Uh, probably Carlos in mm -hmm. PTUK has. He's got about five screens. Well, he's he's got a problem. And, I mean. 
face it. Let's face it. <laughs> yeah, most of it involves not having enough money to pay for all this stuff. <laughs> that but, is a problem. Um, <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. Carlos would love but, you. Uh, no, I, I, I think, yeah, I would like to uh, have it. Uh, when I have used them, you know what I used to, <laughs> I used to spend all my time doing was getting a glider and just getting it up to 10,000 feet and then just holding it around you know it's just doing gentle aerobatics and swooshing along and just thoroughly enjoying the feeling of you know being in charge of a, a wonderful flying machine um so i used to really enjoy that but um did you have like actual controls that like a stick and that kind of thing to manipulate yeah. okay yeah, didn't need a throttle. It's a little personal a question, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. If he has a stick. Well, it is a personal question, yeah. I'm sorry. Uh, but I think he understands what I meant. Um, yes. Okay. Yes, Liz. Um, you know, Liz, mine's always in the gutter. All right, uh, let's uh, continue with There's the next YouTube item video. from Martin, who is uh, a big deal in the uh, EFB world. Um, he sent this in. He Ooh. said, hi, Jeff, Nick A, Steph, Nixie, and Rick. Greetings from Texas. Wanted to weigh in on the recent discussion about flight simulators and their usefulness for flight training. Uh, oh, sorry, the beer is talking. Seven years ago, I was fortunate enough to start working with the company that develops the EFB that you use on the commercial flight deck. A major part of, the, of their philosophy is that a staff of pilots produces better software for pilots. So they have a fantastic flight stipend, stipend, stipend and bonus system that paid a significant portion of my private and instrument certificates. I'm now working on my commercial wow, certificate. Yeah. He's now working on his commercial certificate and wants to be a CFI. Awesome. That's a certified flight instructor. Even with the great opportunities to fly, there were times when the weather, time, mechanicals prevented aviation from occurring. To fill in those gaps and develop my skills, I made an extensive use. I made extensive use of X Plane 11 as a flight sim, coupled with some hardware that made it feel more realistic. I progressed from Logitech to CH. I'm not sure what CH means. To a honeycomb yoke. I progressed from a Logitech to honeycomb throttle quadrant. The plane I flew had a Garmin GTN 650 GPS unit. And Reality XP developed a great version that can interface with X-Plane. I have it running on a touch screen, so it feels like the real thing. The plane I flew had an Aspen Avionics Evolution 1000 that Air Manager can mimic in the sim. Again, that ran on a separate screen. All this stuff is like going completely over my head. For eight, now this is back to uh, Martin. For ATC, I use Pilot Edge which is a paid service providing live air traffic controllers for flight sim traffic. It was invaluable wow. for learning the phraseology as a VFR and IFR pilot. They even have a rating system with missions to fly that help you get familiar with SIDs, STARS, and approaches. The system was so good that for my PPL over a three-month hiatus from flying, I went from not being able to talk on the radio at all to operating in a Class C airport with clearance, ground, tower, and approach. My instructor was amazed. We are too, actually. Wow, that's really good. 
when I, I, you mean they actually pay air traffickers to come on to that system and give uh, uh, I a think professional so. service. I think they that do. Brilliant. And and uh, and I don't. I'm not sure. Maybe you. I. I. I there's another um, uh, organization. Um, like that Batsim is that what it's called B A T S I M, same kind of thing. I've heard of them. Yeah, that I, and I I think with that one, and I'm not sure about the one that he just mentioned. Uh, they uh, mostly are real air traffic controllers, but I think that other people that know a lot about it, not necessarily you know certified air traffic controllers, uh, also do the thing. I'm not sure about getting paid and all that kind of stuff, but uh, that yeah. So I don't know. Anyway, so cool. I uh, this is like just blown my brain when I learned about this uh, VAT sim and this whole virtual world of um, flying and simulating and that kind of thing. A few years back, I'm thinking, what? I had no idea. I boxes that this, has a question here, Jeff. Uh, let's see. I haul boxes says the guy promoted Pilot Edge on the show, didn't he? Uh, Martin was Martin on the show. Well, yeah, Martin's been on the show before. Yeah, and he's mentioned the he's fact that uh, I think it's um, um, what's the really popular, um, very popular, like the number one um, EFB out there for non-professional com- commercial pilots out there. Like I, I can't well, remember Garmin? the name of it. Hmm? Well, Garmin. No, no, no. Uh, it's something else. Anyway, it's huge out there, and most um, non commercial airline pilots use this EFB. Full flight? Is Four that flight. one you're yes. thinking of? I think he works with, I hope that's okay for me to say, but he, I think he may work for either a company that's very similar to Four Flight or Four Flight itself. Acme Four Flight. Yeah, Acme Four Flight. <laughs> like, that's good. We just disguised it very well. We'll call it Three Flight. Yeah. Four, yeah, Three Flight. Five Flight. Or Five Flight. One of those. Uh, not, not Four Flight. Uh, but I think they got together with uh, Jefferson and Flight Deck Pro. And anyway, that's why he's so involved in all this stuff. Good stuff. Anyway, uh, when Microsoft Flight Simulator 2020 came out, I recorded a webinar with Chris Palmer. Uh, he's a CFI and founder of Angle of Attack podcast on how to best use ForeFlight with X-Plane. I should have just looked at this paragraph right here with X-Plane and uh, Microsoft Flight Sim. Here's a link to the video recorded. We recorded. Okay. So I think I have it queued up and I'm going to go over here to uh, this and bring this up and it should be close to the timestamp. So with that, I will hand it over to Martin to get us started. Thanks very much for the introduction there, Sam. I'm really excited to be here with Chris uh, talking about uh, for flight with flight simulators. This is uh, a really extremely important part of our flight training and actually maintaining our proficiency uh, in flying as well, because, you know, there are definitely occasions when we can be, uh, maybe there's a break in, in our opportunity to go up and fly in real life, um, or, for in, or even if the weather, for instance, is not uh, playing ball with us. So we can really keep our uh, proficiency um, as we're flying, um, you know, using a flight simulator and especially becoming familiar with the systems, um, the system of foreflight and the systems within the aircraft as well. Uh, and we can understand how foreflight fits in with the flow. We know from many pilots that 
uh, ForeFlight is is crucial to their role, not just in terms of of the navigation content and the charts, but in terms of the pre-flight, uh, in the actual flight itself, and then the uh, the post-flight aspects of it. And we're going to be covering those today. Okay, so there you go. Um, we're going to have a link to this video in the show notes, and you can watch the whole webinar if you'd like. Um, so thank you, Martin, for sending that in. All right. So, yeah, that's all good stuff. And, uh, you know, it, it just amazes me how they managed to integrate real life, um, equipment like an EFB into a simulator and, you know, with <laughs> the, the, uh, the way these programs can tie into actual flight conditions that are occurring on that very day, uh, you know, you can program it so that it, it mim mimics the, where the sun will be on a particular flight when the transition to nighttime will go and you get people who, uh, um, you know, copy entire flight um, schedules of different airlines. Um, the, the interest is incredible, but the sophistication of the simulation, I think, is quite remarkable. And to think we hate climbing into the sim, Jeff. I know. So this <laughs> simulator world of flying is a little bit different than the simulator world that Captain Nick and I talk about and how, you know, how much we don't like it. How awful. Yeah, how awful it is. <laughs> it like is. How, how I never, ever, ever want to step yeah. foot in another no, simulator so, in my life. I'm so relieved that I never have to climb into a simulator ever again. <laughs> exactly. But this kind of simulator stuff that we're talking about right now, that's different. And uh, but it, and it can be very beneficial. No, it's for fun. Yeah. yeah. There's, there's, yeah. You're not gonna you're not gonna lose your license. If right. You crash. Yeah. <laughs> You'll be. A, you're not gonna lose the ability to pay for your mortgage and your kids' exactly. college tuition if you screw something up. All right, uh, let's continue with uh, number 13, Steve. Uh, I had a comment on desktop flight sims. I've been a gamer since the advent mm -hmm. of home computers and loved flight sim software since Bruce Artwick of Sublogic introduced the original, which eventually was sold to Microsoft in the 80s. Huh, there's some history for you. I've uh, had almost all of them ever since. I played with Flight Simulator for a few years, flying around, taking off, landing successfully with no formal training. Then I started flight training, like real flight training, I guess, and received my private certificate a few years later. After learning how to fly, really fly a plane, the flight simulator experience was extremely different and much better. My point is, yes, desktop sims are excellent. The latest versions are amazing. There are study-level planes you can purchase that are incredibly accurate models. If you have a chance, take a look at the Challenger 650 by Hot Start at X Aviation and read about the system accuracy. It's all because of the high state of computer and graphics power we now have available. But if you don't have formal training in the basics from at least a private certificate, it won't have the same value. Uh, they are very useful for real pilots to keep your head in the game during lapses in flying, learning, practicing approaches, flying in real IMC in the sim, mastering VOR, NDB, RNAV, GPS, etc. It's really amazing. Maybe you guys should try and stop by a flight sim demo when you're at Oshkosh. 
to really experience how good they really are. Thanks for all the great shows. Steve Sanicor. Again, thank you, Steve. Another another input uh, regarding... Yeah, that's very well put, actually. That was what I've been trying to say, but mm-hmm. much more eloquently. Thank you, Steve. Well, he hasn't been drinking as much beer as you have, so... <laughs> yeah, that's probably true. <laughs> yeah. That's probably true. That's rich coming from you. Um, yeah, <laughs> thanks, Liz. <laughs> she goes, that's rich coming from you. All right. Um, <laughs> yeah, well, thirteen B. You've actually, uh, you've actually got a, gr- a grip of your tongue on the I'm, second I'm half of the show. I'm trying. Yeah, I'm, well very, I'm having to. Very, I'm having to put a lot of focus and concentration on that. Okay, from <laughs> Magnus. Um, we just got this in, like yeah, today. Like I think today, yesterday. I believe. Regarding questions about home flight simulators, I've been a listener since Catholic pilot. I'm not a pilot. But I've been an aviation geek since 1980. There are a lot of people out there that I'm learning now that have been following the Airline Pilot Guy show since the before Airline Pilot Guy show days, the Catholic Pilot days. So appreciate you all out there. He says, I'm not a pilot, but I've been an aviation geek since 1980, long story, and sim flyer since 1988. I've been to former SAS Flight Academy twice with uh, instructor flying my favorite aircraft, Boeing 767-300, for four hours in their Level D simulator. Oh. Wow. I think that's the full motion simulator, isn't it? Mm-hmm. The they, full Monty. They had saved the uh, data for the Kaitak airport just for fun. So I got to fly the approach to runway 13. Big happy face there. Well, that's something I've not been able to do, Magnus. Uh well, the big question is, did you finish it with some washing on your wingtip? <laughs> <laughs> you know, as you as you scoot around those buildings, uh, you know, it looks like you're about to pick up all the, <laughs> the Chinese apartments, their, their washing lines that are hanging out. Uh, the, the clothes drying on the lines outside. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Anyway, right now I'm building my home music studio. As soon as I'm done with the studio, I'll start uh, with my home flight simulator. I will go all in for me and the money I want to pay. As I like to fly passenger aircraft, I will buy the following uh, expensive uh, computer, not, oh, expensive computer, not included, a flight yoke. And then he gives us a link to runner-innovation.swiss for the yoke, rudder pedals from Thrustmaster. Dot com. Ooh. Ooh. Yeah, it's exciting. And uh, Honeycomb. That was a, another yeah, thing that, that was mentioned before. Mentioned, mentioned yeah. before. Honeycomb throttle. So I guess Honeycomb must be big in the uh, interface devices for uh, flight sim flying. Anyway, yeah. take care of Magnus from Sweden. I'd like to hear. I'd like to hear about the uh, the music studio that he's building. Yeah. That sounds interesting. Tell him to send of it in. Of course you would. Send in yeah. some stuff about your music studio. All right. Uh, thank you, Magnus. Uh, appreciate it. Yeah, send me some information about that. And I just studio. want to know why you haven't been flying an Airbus instead of that damn Boeing. Well, I don't know what to say about that. Yeah. Now, Jeff, we just passed the two and a half hour right, mark. What do, you want, what do you guys want to do? Okay, we just passed two and a half hours. Let's do some more. Okay, I'd love to do 14. I'd love to do Keith's. Oh, yeah. Uh, 14 would be good. And I think 15 as well. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Um, This item from Keith 
uh, APG family. Ho- I hope all is well. I wanted to get everyone's thoughts on a fatal He's accident Arkansas. At, uh, in Arkansas uh, at Little Rock's Bill and Hillary Clinton National Airport on February 22nd. <laughs> 20, he put February 20 ST, 20 seconds or s- no. 22nd 20 Street. 22nd uh, Street. <laughs> a King Air 200 departed runway 18. Uh, at 11.55 a.m. February 22nd, just as a very strong storm front was passing over the city. I remember the storm. It passed very quickly. We're showing some of the radar imagery uh, on screen for the video. Wow. That's a very significant kind of uh, frontal, what do they call that? A, um, uh, That's yeah. a classic um, uh, line squall, isn't it? Yeah, squall line, yep. Um. I remember the storm. It passed very quickly, going from a light drizzle to intense winds and lightning back to a drizzle in less than 30 minutes. The plane was owned and operated by CTEH, an environmental response firm, transporting four passengers and the pilot to Columbus, Ohio. I've linked to an Aviation International news story and the NTSB preliminary report. I was having lunch with another pilot friend of mine at the time. And just after the storm passed, we both got texts about the crash. The very first thing we said to each other was, oh, no, the storm. Yep. NTSB report seems pretty clear that weather was the main cause of the crash. Both the ground and tower controllers issued low-level wind shear warnings just before takeoff. My two biggest concerns are, are, why didn't such an experienced pilot who knew a storm front was rolling in and who knew about the low-level wind shear system warnings, why didn't they just wait another 30 minutes before taking off? And why did the tower give them takeoff clearance just as the storm front was passing over the field? Of course, we'll, ne- we'll never truly know the answers to those questions. Since CTEH is a rapid response company, I wonder if the pilot and passengers felt pressure to get their, to their destination as soon as possible. Another great reminder to slow down when you feel pressured. And no matter the urgency of the flight, the safety of the operation is always most paramount. Thank you all again for putting together such a wonderful community. All the best and tailwinds, Keith. And yeah, so this this accident, uh, Beechcraft King Air 200, um, there was uh, they were coming going out for taxiing out for takeoff. They knew this severe squall line was about to approach the airplane at uh, the airport several i think three um low level wind shear alerts were issued by tower and uh, they decided to go ahead and take off anyway um video surveillance showed the airplane taking off from runway 18 beginning an initial initial climb to the south and just as the airplane went out of sight the air, the camera I guess it was a security or surveillance camera re- recorded a rising plume of smoke about one mile south of the departure end of the runway. So very, very uh, not far from the end of the runway. There's a, a view of the airport in 1-8. It's over there on the left side of the frame, and you can see the yellow line and about a one-mile point off the end of that runway. They crashed. And... Uh, I don't know. I, I'm not sure I understand why you see this coming in. I, again, sometimes we as pilots kind of get this 
not very smart idea that we need to get the airplane out right away and scheduling and all that kind of stuff. And your logic kind of goes out the window and, and you think, oh, I can I can get off the airport in time before this really, really dark. I'm sure that they must have looked over there and it must have been just a black sky and rolling in and thinking, I can get out of here before that storm hits the airport. Not thinking about the fact that, you know, there, there are a lot of uh, things going on with the atmosphere as far as winds and, you know, wind shear and all that kind of stuff. And thinking, I've done this before, it'll work again. And this is the time it didn't. Yeah, it, it, it's, uh, it's a strange phenomena. And it, you're putting yourself in a situation where you're almost applying pressure on yourself. Uh, not some external person is doing this, but it's your own um, willingness to and, and determination uh, to get this flight on the road and get out of here before this weather arrives. And uh, when you get to the end of the runway and you're thinking, oh, I wonder if I've misjudged this, but it's too late. You know, you've kind of made your decision and you're not going to stick to it through thick and thin rather than sitting back and reevaluating and going, you know, I've made a mistake here, which takes some doing to admit that. Uh, and then, you know, retrace your steps, taxi back in, say, I'm sorry, folks, we're going to hold for 30 minutes while we let this weather pass through because it, we just couldn't get off in time. Um, uh, once you're off and clear, that's it. You are off and clear, but you forget the the violence because you don't fly in these conditions very often. You forget the violence and danger involved in severe weather, particularly when you're close to the ground and the aircraft is relatively slow as it's starting to climb away and accelerate. You've got so few options when it comes to recovering the situation if you end up uh, in a severe downdraft or whatever uh, factor it was from the weather that caused the accident. So I, I, I sort of you know, really feel for this pilot because I've kind of been in that situation but never this badly. You know, I've been in a situation where I really wanted to get off and I've got away with it and it's all been fine and beautiful. Uh, and you look back and you think, oh, that was a good decision. But it doesn't actually, you, do, you, you rarely look back and think to yourself, well, actually, was it a good decision? How close did I really come to being on the wrong side of uh, you know, success? And, uh, you know, for this guy, he'll never be able to go back and re-examine that. For those of us that are have lived through these events, we can still do that. And and I, you know, commend all of you to look back at your previous close calls and not just think, oh, yeah, got away with that, but really examine how sensible it was and what a better decision and a safer decision would have been uh, because you're in a position to do so now because you have survived. Yeah. Totally agree. And one of the things that helps us commercial airline pilots is that many of our companies like Acme say, you know, if they're issuing low level wind shear alerts, we're not allowed to commence a takeoff in those conditions. So we're going, well, we can't do this. And it makes it easier for us when we have that kind of guidance and we go, 
oh, we can't disregard that guidance. We have to wait until this squall line comes through and they're not issuing low level wind shear advisories, uh, you know, at, at the time. So that, that helps. I would imagine that because they're a part 91, uh, operation, I'm guessing, uh, on this flight that, uh, you know, they don't have those kind of, that, that kind of guidance to, uh, you know, yeah. to, to fall back on. There's an interesting point about whether the airport uh, should have closed itself, or what, what responsibility is on their traffic. I don't know um, how that goes in America, but I do remember landing in the teeth of a hurricane into Shanghai. And uh, we'd already gone around once through uh, severe turbulence at about well, 1,000 feet on the approach because of the enormous crosswind and the turbulence that was coming from it. On our second approach, we got right down into the flare before we hit any major turbulence. So it had been a pretty rough ride, but this was quite severe. And I nearly banged a pod. I nearly banged the left wing into the grass uh, on the side of the runway. Uh, I didn't, but uh, so we got away with it. Um, we rolled through and uh, landed. And, um, you know, the... As we taxied in, the air trafficker said, oh, my bad Chinese accent, oh, Virgin, uh, very dangerous landing. Uh, we close airport. <laughs> <laughs> you probably should have closed it before I tried the land. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That's, yeah, the airport is open. You're right, Nick. They, they, you know, if you want to try to take off or land, they're going to go, okay. Yeah, good luck with you. You know, for that with that. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, and yeah, there and and it doesn't happen too often when they say the airport is closed. Um, you know, they yeah. uh, they don't have a lot of control over. You know, it's the ninety percent, ninety nine percent of the decision about taking off or landing in particular situations is is uh, do you know for the pilot. Is and a ground stop the same as an airport ground being stop? Is um, no a ground stop no, okay. is not the same as airport closed. Ground stop is kind of a, a Liz is asking me about the difference between the two. Oh, um, right. Okay, the um, a ground stop is basically uh, usually no due taxiing. to like severe weather um, and everything backing up and everything else, and so they go okay instead of so back in the old days. Uh, <laughs> We never had this situation with ground stops and all these, you know, expect departure clearance time stuff. I mean, everybody would just launch whenever they launched and then everybody be holding up there forever, trying to wait out whatever situation is going on to prevent, you know, normal operations. And then after holding for a while, then, you you know, uh, I don't know what percentage of the time you'd divert to a divert field. It was just a mess. It's so much better these days because... I can hardly remember the last time I actually had to hold in a holding pattern somewhere. It's just everything is much, much better now because they go, you know what? Instead of launching everybody and everybody holding out there in the sky, why don't we just keep everybody on the ground? And uh, so that's why we have the ground delay programs, ground stop programs, that kind of thing. So, But once they close the airport, I mean, so ground, during ground stops, there might still be airport operations going on because it might okay, only be a ground you. stop for like a close in airport, but like uh, flights that are coming out, you know, from long ways away, right. they're continuing to flow in, but they've just decreased the amount of activity at the airport. Um, but uh, yeah, once they say airports closed, then ain't nobody taking no. off or landing at that point. And that's usually Neil's pretty got a question here, Jeff. Anil and Landmormon, our live audience says, could ICAO have 
minimum standards for weather like that so it doesn't fall on individual companies to legislate. You get a hell of a kickback from the companies who say, well, you know, we've got sophisticated airplanes and our aircraft can handle this weather. Other companies would, uh, you know, say, oh, you, you, you're inhibiting our ability to conduct our business. So there is, um, you know, a side of it where you go, well, it kind of depends on what you're flying and are we going to legislate for every type of aircraft and the sophistication of uh, the equipment on board as to whether they can detect wind shear, et cetera. So it becomes a very complicated thing when you talk about commercial airplanes and businesses. Yeah. Good question. Okay. Okay, number 15. Well, I'm going to have to stop, I believe, because so here's the deal. I can, um, my laptop is just about to shut down because of battery okay. power. Now I can yep. plug this thing in, but I think it's going to cause, why is it not working? Okay. You hear that noise? Yeah. Hear the noise. Yeah. yeah oh yeah. Okay. So, so let's wrap it up then. Yeah. So I'm going to disconnect that so we don't hear that awful noise and we're going to go ahead and wrap up today's show. Okay. Mm. So. Awesome show. Uh, so glad that Steph was able to join us for uh, a little yeah, bit. Yeah, it was at the nice, beginning. wasn't it? It was and really good. We, we miss, of course, we always miss Miami Rick. Um, hope he's doing well and hope he can join us again soon. Nick Camacho, he really wanted to be on the show with us today because, or but because of his uh, work schedule and family life, uh, he, he couldn't make it today. So uh, sorry we missed you guys. Uh, but um we hope to have everybody together again on a future show, and uh, we'll point you over to our website, AirlinePilotGuy.com. Lots of good stuff there. Please check it out. We're also on social media, what uh, I like to call, because I'm an old fogey, social means, and Captain Nick is going to tell us all about the social means. Oh, absolutely, yeah. I've, if you're on Facebook, and I've been hacked uh, so many times you can't shake sticks at them, uh, you need to look <laughs> great for Airline Pilot. <laughs> Thank you. Airline Pilot Guy, all one word, on Facebook. And if uh, you're a Twitterer, then um, at APG Crew is our handle there. And it's very similar on the Instas, on the Instagram, uh, is just APG Crew. So find us there and enjoy. Please do. We'll be looking for you. And we are also on Slack, and I'm hoping, fingers crossed, this will work. Hello. Hello. You want to tell us about Slack? Okay, but I'm dripping wet. He's dripping wet. APG listeners, please join us on our Slack team. Slack is a communication, coordination, and sharing platform that works on your mobile, laptop, or browser. On Slack, we share news and ideas. We suggest episode and plain tales topics. We plan events and meetups. To get into the Slack team, please email me at slack at airlinepilotguy.com. That's S-L-A-C-K, Sierra Lima Alpha, Charlie Kilo at airlinepilotguy.com. Or send me a tweet with your preferred email address to at Hillel, and I'll send you an invitation. That's Hillel, spelled Hotel India 11 Echo 1, and see you in Slack. Well, thanks a lot, Hillel. And then he says something funny, and then we move on. <laughs> and uh, let's see. That's, that's a great description. <laughs> you know, you should do those. I should do, you should that do every those show. things where people do an audio description of a movie. You know, for people who uh, are visually impaired. <laughs> yeah, it would be so good. All right, and we'd also <laughs> like to thank our producer Liz. 
Yay! Hi, Liz. Thank you so much for all the help that you you uh, lend uh, while doing the show, and also uh, most importantly before uh, the show and after. Uh, so awesome that uh, you're here with us each and every week, and also awesome that our live audience is here as well. Thank you so much. Oh yeah, good audience this week. Well done, guys. Yes. Girls. Thank you so much. And until next time, next week, wishing you clear skies, unlimited visibility, and tailwinds. Take care, and God bless. Bye, everybody. Bye for now. Have a great weekend. Uh, have a good coronation. Oh, yeah. Happy king. coronation. I'll be watching. King Charles. Happy Cinco de Mayo. He's our king, too. Yeah, he's up in the sky. Good day. I used to be such a good, good pilot. Till I started APG I opened doors for little old ladies I helped them to their seats Airline pilot guy I fly America oh, Airline pilot guy He can't land in heavy oh, oh. I got no friends cause I'm always flying I just don't have the time But I can land this old plane I can land it just fine Airline pilot guy I fly America oh, Airline pilot guy 